the brass lights turn the toes. Ready or not. Here comes criteria. <laughs> I like it. We're fighting this year. Every every pick is going to be based on a hip-hop song this year on the Criterion Month, right? Explain. Mm, let me look at my list. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Ah, oh, damn. Hello! Great, great start. Hello! <laughs> Hi! Hey! Come on in. Welcome. Hey, hey have a have a have a seat on the uh uh well, all the all the chairs are taken with the three of us. You can sit on the ottoman, I guess. It's a little uncomfortable, but there are no that's chairs okay. in the criterion closet. Only yeah. standing. <laughs> no chairs it's, allowed. It's kind of closed in. Uh and and a lot of the DVDs and Blu-rays are up real high, so um you could ask for help to get them down, but probably just don't pick those. I mean, we could we could pick them for you. We're all six yeah. feet or taller. We'll do a cheeky We're edit tall where boys. we come in and get it down for you, and then you just have it. Yeah. Um. So this is guys, guys, and mm-hmm. by guys, I mean the three guys that are Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. This is our seventh Criterion Month, but maybe maybe eighth uh, if you count the the Shocktober Criterion Month, oh. which I think you should. Mm. I think it fits mm. so. all the all the criteria of <laughs> a Criterion Month. Yeah, it just happened in uh, another part of the year, a darker part of the year. Um, and if you if you still don't know how this works. What we do is we make this podcast where we each pick 10 movies we want to review on the blog in the month of July, and we try to guess why we think we'll enjoy watching them. (laughs) I don't don't think we try to guess. We just kind of explain (laughs) to each other why we chose them. And that's the well, maybe that's thing what you do. I don't know. <laughs> because there's no follow up. Like you will see our reviews on the blog, but we're not going to come back and actually talk about these on the podcast feed. This is all you're going to get if you're a podcast subscriber I mean, only. What what more do you want than a review? <laughs> I think it's you know. I guess that's why we don't do anything else, Colin. We could sweet them. Remember and be kind rewind when they sweet movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. A movie that no one really talks about anymore, but it's good. No. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it deserves to be in the Criterion Collection. Be interesting. Not the worst choice, but it's a little sure. Um. So, before we start, there's always two things worth talking about. One is if everyone had a sort of strategy or approach they came to this year in putting together their list. And uh, the second is, uh, what what order are we going to go in? <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll share my strat. And I don't mean my stratocaster. I'm not James <laughs> Hendrix. <laughs> That's Jimi Hendrix for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so my strategy... Actually, before I get to my strategy, guys, I had, I was walking my dog earlier. Yeah. And I had a stray <laughs> thought, unrelated to pretty much everything we're talking oh, about. Oh, like a stray dog. Which is a movie I've done. It's all connected. Look at look at the clues. But, um... You know the movie Critters? Oh, sure. sure. They got little, little, little tiny monsters. Yeah, the alien or Gremlins knockoff. The little aliens. There's, there's five of yeah. them. I didn't realize until this, this thought popped into my head. The critters are called the Krites in the Critters <laughs> movies. How come we haven't had Krites Tyrion month? Like, like have the critters take over the Criterion collection, like the Criterion Channel? And put all the critters movies on the Criterion Channel, like I'm, I'm sorry. They, so they, so critters was too long to say, so they started calling them crites. Well, it's just like the in the canon in the films because they're from another planet. Is that they're called the crites, but the movie's called critters. See how it's kind of fun. No, that pisses me off. <laughs> I think they should do it. Uh, I've seen the first two. Second one, it may, possibly the best horror Easter film I've ever seen. Mm. I don't know if that's too bold a statement. Third one is the what debut. About the Passion of the Christ. I think Critters 2 beats it. Critters 2 has yeah. a scene where all the critters go. Because the thing about Critters is they roll into a ball like a hedgehog, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. But they do one where they make a big one, like, they, like, tw- like 50 of them in a big ball. So they make a mega Damn. critter. Um, and then the third critters is the screen debut of Leonardo DiCaprio. So I think maybe, like maybe you could get him to do some behind the scenes stuff for the Criterion Collection to talk about critters. I'm just saying we should we should propose this to the Criterion Channel. I'm a little embarrassed they haven't done it yet, honestly. Okay, so my strategy. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. All right. Uh, much like last year. I think my good friend Blank Man would like my strategy and that I'm filling in the blanks. <laughs> Great approach. I love this approach. I'm just, I have so many movies that have just been on the list for so long that I just haven't picked. It's like, why aren't you picking these movies, John? So I'm finally picking them. They're pretty spread out. I, I, there's maybe one decade where I got maybe three in the same decade. But otherwise, I think I did a good job of spreading the love here. Uh, a lot of different countries, you know, try to diversify as much as I can. But yeah, that that was that was my approach. It wasn't that hard, honestly, because I just dug deep into the archives of like, well, I haven't done these. Better do them finally. Uh, wh- what about you, Colin? What was your strat for this year? Honestly, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know if I had one. <laughs> I mean, my strategy usually is, I don't know kind of similar to you in that I just like to have like a bit of variety in terms of decades and countries and genres but I didn't I don't feel like I did as good a job of that this year since most of my movies are from like the 50s through the 70s like I I don't even have a single 21st century pick or like anything from the 30s or earlier but uh I guess one thing is I kind of was had in the back of my mind the sight and sound uh, list that came out this year because there were there were a couple movies on there that I hadn't seen that were on the list and mm-hmm. some that I was kind of pondering whether to pick or not on that list. Um, so that that was a little bit of an influence on mine. 
I remember mm-hmm. I wrote about that a lot last year because I reviewed um, Citizen Kane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like half my Citizen Kane review is like, is it gonna get bumped even further? Thanks, Tom. <laughs> do the list. Off the list. How much? How much did it get bumped? I don't remember. Um, I don't know. Oh, you want me to look it up right now? Bumped off the list. Replace it with Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> um, I know the new number one was uh, Gene Dealman. Yeah, Susan Kane's in third place now. Uh, uh, Jean Delmon, Alex Colin brought up, number one, and then Vertigo, number two. Oh. I bet you, too, was pretty happy about that. Wait, and Tokyo Story, number four. So that's two two already Colin Criterion Month picks in the top four. Number five, In the Mood for Love, a John, Mm -hmm. I think. So uh, a half-assed John, but a John, yes. Out So out of the top five Sight and Sound <laughs> movies, <laughs> four of them have thing. been reviewed for Criterion Month already. Wow. And then yeah. the, other one's, the other one's Vertigo, which, I mean, everyone's seen. And it's also not good enough to get a Criterion release? Yeah, it's not that good. I mean, <laughs> it's got some really goofy close-ups of Jimmy Stewart's face. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Sean? Any strategies? Yeah, my strategy this year is box sets are for watching, not for display. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good philosophy. Yeah, makes, makes sense. Can't let your dollars go to waste. I got some work to do on some investments I made based on previous summers. That will be making up the bulk of what I am uh, watching this year. Um, the other, I'll say that's that makes up six. Six. You got me scared, Sean. The... You got me scared. I have one pick on here that is part of a box set. I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> I'm about to bump up... this up in my pick order. That makes up six of my ten movies that I have as my ideal list. If nothing gets um, stolen. Um, The other four have nothing in common, are totally random. I have no idea why I would watch any of them. But that'll be fun, too. (laughs) That's the best when you watch it, and then you start watching it. You're like, why did I pick this? (laughs) I've had that a couple times. Like, why did I I pick this? Um, There's one on this list that I know literally nothing about. I just saw um, the Criterion poster art, and I was like, that would be fun to Photoshop for a blog review. (laughs) I like this poster art <laughs> have i ever picked one based off of the art it must have happened once there's definitely somewhere it makes it more enticing or it's like a super cool painting or it's just like really striking imagery yeah. i i think that was my reasoning for picking shoot the piano player even though i think it yeah. just uses the poster of the original movie but it is cool where mm-hmm. it's a guy playing piano with a target on him yeah. <laughs> hell yeah i want to watch that but yeah okay cool i'm glad that you can you know dig into some of those bo- i wonder if some some of those are they still unwrapping even no i've definitely opened all of them. okay you've opened them all so you're you're part way there um in fact i think i picked from all of these box sets already in previous criteria months except for one mm. i'm um, still shaking in my boots 
Just a little, a little shake, a little baby shake, a little shake. <laughs> so I get, so John is shaking his boots because the, really the only rule is we pick uh, in an order which to be determined, and also um, can't be a movie that we've already picked. And once someone picks it, it's it's picked. There's no debate. It can't be like, oh, I want to review this more, so I get to watch it. Um, it's pretty pretty basic rules for this little draft here. Um, so I guess just the only thing stopping us from starting is picking how to which order to do it in. So I asked artificial te- intelligence. Mm-hmm. Love which is the real. WGA does not approve. Love is real, but he is not. Um, and I, asked, <laughs> I asked artificial intelligence. I gave them the lineups of every year we've done this, and not including uh-huh. uh, the Halloween edition we did. Um, and it took me about three times before I got the order I liked, but eventually I got the order I liked, and then Sean told me, you should change that. And I changed it to the first order that it gave me. And that order mm-hmm. is John, Colin, Sean, Jesus Christ, Superstar. Right. <laughs> I don't know why our, like we haven't been calling ourselves that all this time. It is, it is wild. It's so many opportunities. That we could have got jackets printed up. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's what—that's all we could have done. Like some warriors-esque <laughs> jackets. It's like, oh, were you in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar? And I'm like, no, 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 no. no that's our gang. It's our gang. Now give me all your money. You like beat us up, like, and it has something to do with the musical. It has nothing to do with the musical, man. It, all it has to do with is beating you up. <laughs> Riding the bus. That's what Jesus would want us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus rode the bus. So I will pick first, Colin Shaw. Here we go. Mm-hmm. All right. Gonna do this ten times. Here comes round number one. All right. Um, mm, 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 mm. Oh, sorry, guys. I was just eating, eating Raul for my number one pick. What the shit? Um, a movie that many years I've been like, I might pick that, and Colin was like, maybe I'd pick that at some point too. <laughs> So I'm like, I gotta pick this at some point because Colin is somewhat interested. Yeah, I didn't pick it. I mean, my another thing about my picks is always like, I gotta not just pick American movies because right. they are usually the movies I want to see the most. I mean, me too. Unfortunately, so yeah. I gotta like, I kept it to four this year. Nice, <laughs> but yeah. it's, even that was hard. <laughs> I, I don't know my country. I think I only have two. U.S. movies. Wow. Oh, it's going to be so much reading. <laughs> I mean, I got What's some other English language movies. British movies. Do I have any oh, British Australia. movies this year? I do have, uh, yes. Well, more on that later. So Eating Raul, 1982. This is Paul Bartell, who we we know from, we, we did Rock and Roll High School on our podcast, The Pick. And, of course, Paul Bartell played the teacher who gets into the Ramones in that in that movie. The perfect movie. Uh, the perfect movie. Um, and this is a movie that he stars in with Mary Waranov, who was the principal from Rock and Roll High School. They're playing a married couple here. Paul Bartel also co-wrote and directed. And it's a. This is always the fun part. It's like, okay, now to describe the movie that I don't know anything about because I've never seen it. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like they're a, a, a struggling couple, and they want to open up a restaurant, but they don't have the money. And then they meet a criminal, uh, Raul, Played by Chakotay himself, Robert Beltran. Hell yes. Yeah. I was like, who's is this name? And then I clicked on him and I saw that face. I'm like, I know who this is. 
<laughs> even though I never really watched that much Voyager. Uh, but he is he is Raul, and he's like a criminal, and they like, I guess, learn from him that like he like robs people. He's like a locksmith, and like then like murders them. So they're like getting in on this too, where they're like murdering swingers to somehow get money for their restaurant. <laughs> clearly, cause clearly, I'm an expert on the film. I don't even know. There has to be some like cannibalism in this movie, right? I don't want to get it spoiled, but there has to be. the The poster is literally a leg sticking out of some teeth. Uh, I guess, or maybe it's just because it's money for their restaurant. For their restaurant, I bet they eat somebody but by the end. Maybe. I mean, that title's gotta—it seems like a dead giveaway. Yeah. But we'll more see. on that, I'll see if they yeah. eat Raul. I'm guessing they probably do. I could just scroll down right now, but you know what? I'm not gonna. <laughs> um, you see everything. But no, excited. I love the Corman connections here. 83 minutes, perfect runtime. Ed Bagley Jr. as hippie. Buck Henry as a bank manager. Sounds hilarious. Uh, yeah, dude. Eating Raul is my number one pick. Colin, what is your number one pick? Okay, so my... I, I have some picks that are not dissimilar from Sean since they are movies I bought uh, <laughs> on Blu-ray <laughs> that I want to make sure I watch. And... Um, am able to review them instead of someone else <laughs> stealing them and wasting my money. Uh, but the first movie um, is Blu-ray I bought in the uh, sale that Criterion had like a month or two ago. Um, it is The Girl Can't Help It. This is a very early rock and roll movie. Um, it's got a little Richard, Fats Domino, Eddie what? Cochran... Gene Vincent. Have you never heard of this movie, John? Never. This sounds never. awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've known about it for a long time, actually, because um, it had, like, a big impact on the Beatles. Um, they even talk about it a little bit in the, the Beatles anthology documentary, and they even show some clips from the movie. And Paul McCartney's just talking about how excited they were to see this this movie with all their favorite rockers in it. Um and it just looks fun. I've seen a couple movies by the director, Frank Tashlin. Um, his movies are incredibly silly. Uh, very cartoony, because he actually started off as a cartoonist before directing live-action movies. Wow. So they're in Technicolor. They use the Technicolor <laughs> to its full impact uh, comedically and stylistically. Uh, stars uh, Jane Mansfield, uh, who is sort of known as being kind of uh, a contemporary of Marilyn Monroe, you know, but not not quite Marilyn Monroe. Um, and he even has Tom Ewell, who was in the Seven Year Itch with uh, Marilyn Monroe. So it's got it's got that vibe, I guess. Um, I don't know, I guess he's trying to make Jane Mansfield like a hit singer or something. He's like a washed up talent agent or something. I don't know. It just sounds super fun. And I've always wanted to see it. Um, but I feel like it's hard to see. I don't think this movie's actually on streaming, I'm guessing, because of the music rights or something. So oh, that makes sense. buying it on Blu-ray was the only way to see it. Making me jealous 
for a movie that I didn't know existed until a few minutes ago. I know. I can't <laughs> believe you haven't heard of this. Never heard of it. It's great. All these artists. Jane Mansfield. Yeah. I like how it says on Wikipedia in the titular role. I'm like, you mean the girl? It's not like it's the, the movie's girl. <laughs> She's the girl who can't help it. It's like, would you say like, oh, David Bowie, the titular role in The Man Who Fell to Earth. <laughs> He's the man who fell to Earth, yeah. It's like a weird is he really thing. a man? It's just a weird thing to say, but yeah. it sounds very cool. Is this a jukebox musical? Did you say? What what what's the format? How are all the bands? Play? It must be. If there is it, just like there's yeah, like some scenes really and then a band plays and some scene like how those old I mean, movies work. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of like a behind the scenes showbiz type movie. Okay. So maybe they're just like on the set of TV shows or concerts or something. I don't wow. know. But well, I mean, I I remember seeing. <laughs> a clip in the Beatles documentary where they just like turn on the TV in a scene and Eddie Cochran's on the TV and they just like watch him do his like little performance of his song. Yeah. Man, rock and roll must have been, that's kind of in its infancy at this point. Yeah. 56. Uh, one of the very earliest, if not the first rock it's and like roll It's like the, movie. uh, what's that, um, rap anthology film with the fat boys from the eighties? Ah. <sighs> For like, it's not like crush groove like, or something. Oh, okay, I mean there was a few of those. Well, this is like the... breaking and like uh, wild style. I okay, think so a girl but... can't help it. Is it the breaking of its time? Well, I guess we're gonna <laughs> find out. Yeah. Tight, 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 right. tight. Sean, what's your first pick? Bum 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 bum. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, <laughs> Boiler Room had a song <laughs> that sampled the theme of my first pick this draft. Mothra versus Godzilla, motherfucker. 1964, the fourth Godzilla movie, the second Mothra movie, directed by Ishiro Honda, who also directed the first Godzilla movie, Godzilla versus oh. King Kong, uh, Mothra, Rodan, like fucking all these movies. The guy did all of them. And I bought that Godzilla box set. It was like 150 bucks, and I've only watched the first Godzilla movie. And it took me like a year to watch that. I gotta watch another one. So hearing that theme song in Boiler Room, sort of, sort of, not credited. They didn't get any money. I think they got money later. Um, made me think I gotta watch it. And I think it's interesting because Mothra's like a big moth, but it's like a friendly big moth. Um, and maybe this is like make, this. Maybe this is where they're making the transition to like Godzilla is helping out. Maybe he's a friend now. It's the fourth one. Maybe he's already a friend by by then. It's 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 the fourth one. It's been it's been ten years of Godzilla movies at this point. Nineteen fifty four is the first one. This is nineteen sixty four. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. But there's a there's a there's a big moth and it's gonna and it's, there's a big lizard and they're gonna be together. I just see this one. No, how, how many deep into the Godzilla franchise is this? Like on that on that box set, how many are in between this and the first one? Yeah, in, in between those two are Godzilla raids again and King Kong versus Godzilla, which I have seen. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, that's still that's still ten years. That seems like a lot of time for the Japanese film industry. Of well, he era. did. Like I, I, I just watched Rodan for the first time 
uh, a couple weeks ago, and that's like 56, so it's just crazy. Yeah. Even in between Godzilla's, he's doing other monsters that will make their way into the Godzilla <laughs> movies. I, I believe uh, I read on Wikipedia that uh, Ghidorah came out the same year, so mm. he's just staying busy making these monsters. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Those movies are so fun. I, I know there's a certain point where they start to get really stupid and look a little cheap, but I feel like... You're still in a good spot if you're watching the 50s and 60s ones. Because, like, yeah. people may say, oh, the costume looks a little fake. But I'd say, like, the, the the miniature work and most of the production value is pretty good. So, Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I was really impressed by how much I liked Rodan. I watched I watched that because Tarantino did it on his podcast. Ah. Uh, yeah, and that was cool. Even the thing about that, it was even good before the monsters showed up because just about like some like miners that were scared of this mine. I'm like, this is a good setup. So I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, Mothra has like Mothra's from like space, right? I think so. Dude. So there's gonna be some weird shit in that one probably, but I bet it'll be fun. Uh, it says on the Criterion website, Mothra vs. Godzilla marks a creative high point in the Godzilla series. With pointed social commentary from director Ishiro Honda, a masterful score by Akira Ifukube, and astonishing special effects work by Eiji Tsuburaya. So, I mean, come on, dude. It's cool that the creative core of that franchise stayed intact for so long, too. That's that I find interesting. It was the same director and composer. Yeah. That rules. I always wondered. Um, I guess this we could still potentially do this if, for like one of our Shocktober's, we should just chip away at that box set. I don't know how easy <laughs> the other ones are to watch outside of that box set, so that's why I haven't suggested it. But I feel like there's a lot to discover in those. How, how many films in that box set? I think it's like fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. And then I mean, there's other Godzilla movies outside of that box set too. That's just what. Totally. What? How far does that go? That's just the Showa era, so that's through 1975. Damn, yeah. Still got all the 80s and 90s, man. Um, that's yeah, cool, My favorite though. Godzilla movie, Shin Godzilla. Would not yeah, be yeah, that. yeah. Uh, doesn't have my favorite, though, with Matthew Broderick. We're <laughs> expert Nick Totopoulos. Nick Totopoulos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a weird movie. Uh, okay. Back to me. Let's my, do it. My first movie was America, and now we're going south of the border. We're going to Mexico, my friends, with, uh, I guess a film that I wasn't sure if Colin had seen, but I always wonder if Colin has been, in, if he if he hasn't, this is assuming he hasn't, I don't know if he has, <laughs> if he'd ever pick it. And that's The uh -huh. Exterminating Angel. Do you know about this one, Colin? Mm. Uh, is it a Boonwell movie? It is, it is. It's Boonwell. Um, I think I've maybe seen it. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> so this is a movie that's been in the back of my mind for a long time because when I first started listening to Film Spotting, they were doing an episode. Like, the first episode I ever listened to, they were talking about The Exterminating Angel. Mm -hmm. And this is like uh, the, the premise is what sold me. It's very like Twilight Zone. -y. I'm like, that's I'm sold just on the, the summary of what this is about, where it's a group <laughs> of wealthy guests who then are like at a party and then they can't leave. Like they just can't leave. Like, I don't know if there's no doors or what. They're just, they're just stuck there. And I'm like, that's so yeah, I've good. seen this movie. OK, cool. <laughs> 
So it that, is. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably I'll talk about this later, but I really like. I'm figuring out that this is a thing for me that because I watched like a lot of sort of obscure older often foreign movies like when I was in college or or after like it's hard for me to remember if I've seen a lot of them because I just like never talked to anyone about them after seeing sure. them <laughs> like they're just not movies that come up in the culture uh, even though they're like well regarded by film snobs, but it's just like just makes it a lot harder to like store in the back of your brain. <laughs> but yeah, I've seen this one. I think I liked it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any Boonwell aside from the cut in the eye short film that yeah, everyone classic. knows about. Wild to me that he directed movies for such a long span of time, from the silent era yeah. all the way up into the late seventies. He also has a very intimidating uh, Wikipedia photo where he looks like Peter Lorre. He's got very scary nice. eyes. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's kind of scaring me looking at him. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that premise. It's not like insanely long. I like the look, the stark black and white kind of look of it all. Sounds like something that's up my alley. I can imagine it being maybe too weird if it's a little too surreal. Is this, it is a surrealist film that is the genre listed on Wikipedia. <laughs> but hey, man, they turned it into an opera. They don't just turn everything into an opera. Why not? Uh, do you know The Fly is an opera? Really briefly. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a fly! <laughs> that was very good. David Schwimmer trying to sing opera just on command. Well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna do it, and then I was like, I can't think. What's a good line from the movie? What's the? Doesn't the original? Doesn't the eighties fly have like a really good tagline? Um, I feel like it has one of those classic (sighs) ones that people forget is associated with it because it's so good. Oh, be afraid, be very afraid, be afraid, be very afraid. I think it was like in Italian or something, so. Sure. That's what I imagine it was like. But what people shouldn't be afraid of is your pick, Colin. Yeah, Colin. Okay. Don't be afraid. Okay. Um, It's my second pick. It's another movie I own on Blu-ray, and I haven't watched yet. And it was a gift to me from Mr. John Otting. It is High Sierra. Ah, yes, just a Humphrey Bogart movie from 1941, just like a little bit before he broke out as a leading man. I guess this would have been either the same year or the year before uh, the Maltese Falcon. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it seems like it's kind of him trying to break out of playing the villain in a bunch of gangster movies, which is kind of what he did throughout the 30s before he became a leading man, eventually. Um, and it feels, or at least it sounds like, <laughs> from reading the description, that it's it's kind of a midway point um, between the gangster movies of the 30s and the film noir of the 40s, which was just kind of starting to take shape. Um and that's interesting to me. I like the 30s gangster movies okay. I like film noir a lot. 
Um, it's directed by Raoul Walsh, who I've seen one of his movies that I feel like is in kind of a similar vein, um, White Heat, which is a gangster movie, but it came out in 1949, so it's like, I don't know, it's it's more intense i guess than a lot of the gangster movies from the 30s because the thing with a lot of those is i don't know like a lot of 30s movies they're they're kind of awkward because <laughs> they don't like have music throughout them all the time and the the editing sometimes kind of like i don't know not that interesting um but yeah i mean i i, I love film noir stuff and it's got Ida Lupino in it, who um, would go on to become a director. I reviewed one of her movies. Um, I think it was for Shocktober, The Hitchhiker. So I don't think I've seen her actually um, as an actress in any films that I'm aware of, but maybe I have. I can't remember. But I'm excited to finally see this one since I've uh, been sitting on it. Definitely. One I've been wanting to watch since John got it for me for Christmas a few years ago. Glad. I'm sure Tarantino would be glad. <laughs> oh, okay. I love that that is the fate of uh, Criterion movies that are even like gifts. It's like, okay, I'll put up. <laughs> now that I have this, I will put this on the shelf for a few years. Feel guilty I mean, about it until I finally watch it. I am always excited when I, I get a Criterion disc and then I can review it. That's what I did for... Um, and Colin got me Night of the Living Dead. I rewatched it, but to justify it, I watched all the special features. It's that, that's remember. a fun thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I've wanted to watch. It. It's just I kind—I of, think I put it off just because I always have lots of movies yeah. from this era uh-huh. <laughs> that I want to do for Criterion Month from the '40s, like Hollywood studio system. Um, but I'm doing it this year. You're good, Colin. You're good. Nice. All right. Well, are you good <laughs> with your next pick? I'm shipping up to Hong Kong. Whoa! <laughs> For my next pick, I'm picking Infernal Affairs from a box set I don't think I told anyone that I bought. I've seen it. Uh, Not the movie. I saw you get the box set. John knows. John's seen everything. Um... This movie sounds sweet. Obviously, it's famous for having inspired Martin Scorsese's The Departed. But instead of starring the whitest people in Hollywood, it stars Tony Long and Andy Lau, two cool movie stars, uh, doing the same the same plot, I think, just in Hong Kong, where uh, one of them is a gangster who joins the police force, and the other one's an undercover cop who joins the gang. And they're trying to find each other, and shit's going down down in Hong Kong. Um, I'm guessing the ending is going to be different because uh, it's a trilogy. So... uh, can't kill literally everyone in it. (laughs) And and they probably don't have a CGI rat at the end, too. Um, So that's a shame. That's a shame, but uh, I'm guessing the rest of it's going to be pretty freaking sweet. Um, Peter Griffin... uh, It'll be wicked awesome. <laughs> Freaking sweet. Hi, Lois. Check it out. <laughs> you just, you think about that shipping up to Boston song and it fucks you up, man. It does. <laughs> it gets, gets in your soul. Yeah, um, yeah I I, uh, I don't know 
uh, a ton about it. Uh, and it looks like uh, Andy Lau is also one of the directors on the movie, so that's cool. Um, and a man named Alan Mack. And I don't know who that is. I should have looked that up, but I didn't, and I haven't. Uh, find my review and we'll see like, what I have to say. It's almost like Alex Mack. <sighs> almost. That's why I don't know anything about him. Turn to goop. <laughs> Turn to goop. He's too fast. <laughs> Wait, was Alex Mack? No, I'm getting confused with Capri Sud commercials. Alex Mack wasn't fast. Alex Mack just turned into goop. That was some fast goop. Though. Was it fast? Okay, but it wasn't like... I feel like it was, it was okay. zooming around. Okay, I'm getting them so mixed up now. <laughs> She had other powers too, sun. right? Yeah, I don't remember. It what. wasn't just scooping so. around. Yeah, Could she like levitate things with her mind? What? Mm, that's a good power. Alex Max yeah. powers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, she had so many powers. Uh, shit. Okay, no, she she only had three. Um, electricity <laughs> generation, telekinesis, and morphing. She could change herself into a human puddle. While morphing, she and her passengers are completely conscious the whole time, and their senses are described as being on an extraordinary level. Wow, that, that's nice. What does that mean? <laughs> like they're high? Um, Alan Mack, not Alex Mack, though. Not even spelled the same. Uh, Infernal Fair. I feel like this is a movie that, like, back in the day, AJ's like, this is so fucking good. And I'm like, shut up. But you know he's right. <laughs> Right about some 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 of these opinions, and uh, yeah, I've, this is one I'm like I should check that out. It's it's weird like thinking about watching an international film that has like a name that makes it sound complicated. <laughs> you know, does that make any sense? What I just said. <laughs> I guess it does in that like maybe for American audiences they dumb down the titles. Like, is that what you yeah, meant? yeah, yeah. Because like, I would be, I'd feel dumb seeing an American film called Infernal Affairs. Then mm. I feel like if it's an international film, that's just one extra layer where I could potentially get confused. But I mean, that's <laughs> okay. just the title. Sure, it's a, it's an action movie, action thriller. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's. And this is, yeah, yeah. like you said, this is The Departed. Yeah, yeah. No, it should be fine. It should be fine. I say that like I'm not watching it. Why am I so concerned? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's really gonna be okay. I just don't want to get confused reading your reviews. Oh, you probably will be because I'll probably be writing it at two in the morning, the day after I should have posted. <laughs> the day after. Oh, that's a that's a fun thing to place bets on. What what's the movie that someone's gonna like post late? Because I feel like. I guess it doesn't really matter when it's something that's usually like super long. I feel like. Whoever's picked that preps ahead of time. Like, I feel like, Colin, you're usually pretty good at getting your posts out on time, even when you do epically long movies. Yeah. I don't really have any of those this year. I haven't, really. I haven't really been paying attention to my run times. I don't think I... I think I have one that's that's fairly long, but it's not like... I've, it's like, mm-hmm. pff, I'm done longer. <laughs> so I'm not too worried about it. Sure. Um, like... A cheat code I unlocked last year that was probably very unpopular with you guys. So if you have two picks back to back, you can write two half reviews and make it one post. <laughs> Wait, did you, did do, you that? do that? I did that last oh, year. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Were, was there at least did, the, did it make sense to pair these movies together? 
I think it was like uh, Irma Vep and The Last Days of Disco. <laughs> oh. So not really. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's weird. No. <laughs> You're glad that we were apparently paying very close attention. We were just too tired. That so. seems like some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, cool movie though that you pick. We've been picking some cool movies these last couple of picks. <laughs> My next movie isn't necessarily a cool movie, but it's being it's a, a favorite of a cool guy. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with the Preston Sturgis movie, Unfaithfully Yours, um, from uh-huh. the '40s, which isn't a movie I'd heard of, but I saw. You guys know I've been through a Tarantino thing for the past year. Yep. You've mentioned him like five times. He comes up, yeah. It's not even the first time I've mentioned him on this podcast. Nope. But um, he has like a card. I don't know if this was submitted for Sight and Sound or for whatever, where he lists like his top ten favorite movies. He cheated. Mm-hmm. He has twelve on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. But Unfaithfully Yours is on this list, so I'm like, this yeah. really? This? I assume since I don't know anything about the movie, since Preston Sturgis got to be. Screwball, com- like, did he do anything else aside from screwball Probably. comedies? Not, not really. I don't know if it's a drama. Um, I, I yeah, I, I know of this movie. I've seen quite a few of Preston Sturges' movie, but I haven't, I haven't seen this one. I feel like it's supposed to be kind of his last good movie. Yeah, <laughs> late late forties. It's got a really uninspired uh, Criterion cover, spine number yeah. two ninety two, which. At first, I was like, "This looks old," but I'm like, two, "There's still 291 before it." So it's just, that's still kind of old, though. Looks like we got yeah, Rex it's, Harrison. It's over a thousand at this point. That's true. <laughs> I can you can tell it's old because it's it writes the Criterion Collection on the top of the poster, yeah, instead of with that little like box on the side of the poster. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that's this love this that's IMDb old. summary. A man dreams of re- revenge when he suspects his wife is unfaithful. Easy. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, don't know anything else about it except like uh, Quentin likes it. I've really been enjoying the recommendations on his podcast, so I think I have a similar taste. I mean, I do believe I like I don't believe movies like died in the eighties and haven't been good since, like he believes. But otherwise, <laughs> uh, I agree with a lot of his takes. So this is his number nine on his top. 11 because or 12 because he, he have two films tied in a spot too <laughs> he, he just had to give the number six spot to five fingers of death slash king boxer i don't know either of those movies i assume they're martial arts movies um or maybe it's like an alternate title bad. i don't know but like he wrote this list and then underneath he wrote jaws at 11 so <laughs> i would watch more if there were more on this list that were in the collection that ones i hadn't seen but yeah, you know, he's got like good, bad, and ugly. Rio Bravo blowout, some stuff in the collection. Uh, yeah, and faithfully yours is my pick. Uh, come on, I have okay. no, I have no transition. Yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> uh, I don't have much to say about my uh, next pick. I don't know much about it. It's just. Uh, very highly regarded movie i know is pretty high up on the sight and sound uh 100 list it is or it's a carl theodore dreyer movie um guess one that he made later on in his career (laughs) 
What? It's a goddamn funny. It's it's a really good Criterion poster. It's just two people crying. They're crying. I assume this movie will be sad or about mortality or something heavy. I don't really know. Oh I no! Think it's based on a <laughs> it's based on a play or something. I assume it'll be like a I don't know serious kind of uh, Ingmar Bergman esque film. That's what I'm expecting from this. But um. I guess not the first Carl Theodore Dreyer movie I have done. I also did The Passion of Joan of Arc. I think our first Criterion Month. So it's been a while, but this is, you know, kind of a while after that. It's like 30 years after that movie. Um, So. It's also. See what it's all about. Our second Danish movie. Only second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is the want... other one? I don't know if I do know. Who's from Denmark? I will say it's from a it's from Shocktober, if that helps. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know then. Hold on. Okay, now tell me. Wait, 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 wait. It was a joke. Is it Antichrist? It was Antichrist. <laughs> you see Makes the sense. dick go in. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. That was like, maybe I just shouldn't ever watch another Lars von Trier movie again. I don't think I've talked about it on a podcast, but someone showed that scene in a cinematography <laughs> class in <Yeah>. film school. <laughs> And uh, I don't remember if the teacher turned it off, but it was definitely like a, a the teacher being like, oh, Jesus Christ, what? <laughs> We're watching this. Yeah, kind of see full on penetration in school. I, yeah, I mean, I, I did go to art school. It was, it was San Francisco. Everybody's open minded. But I feel like even the, the teacher was like, OK, <laughs> why did you do this? It's interesting how a lot of these European filmmakers, even today, were like, like, Carl Theodore Dreyer, this was like, this was a Danish movie, but and he was Danish, but his other movies weren't Danish. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember we also did Vampire, I think, right? Didn't mm-hmm. we do that for a, maybe the horror um, criterion? I feel like we've covered it. But, Sounds right. But that's... There, well, there was, there was a Criterion Month, wasn't, or a shock, uh, Shocktober, where we did like good movies maybe we did it in in one that wasn't necessarily criterion themed because i don't see it on the list here okay but um i feel like i we did it do somewhere. a uh, yeah we did do a foreign horror. oh we did a foreign that's it we that's did like an international saying. horror month and that's when i covered yeah. vampire and it's like i see that countries germany france so it's like do they just go where the money is? It's just not something you see like in the states. I don't know as much. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of what I assume is that a lot of directors kind of aren't able to find funding in certain countries, so they just make a movie in another country. Or like every time I've picked a Michael Hanukkah film, it's always from like a different country. It's always like in a different language. So it's just yeah. it's very interesting uh, how it works over there. But based off, because I've also seen uh, Joan of Arc. Based off those, this movie's got to have some like intense close-ups. Probably. <laughs> I feel like that's what he's good at. Very scary yeah. close-ups. I feel like Joan of Arc is basically a horror movie. <laughs> so I, I wonder what this one, like how this one's going to feel. If it's just going to be yeah. 
like hard drama crying or if it's gonna be like kind of like it's creepy too i don't know but that's cool i hadn't heard of this one didn't even know what you said when you or debt what does that mean the word i don't word. know what it means uh, it means the word i guess in some language mm-hmm. the word like the beatles song oh uh, yes Sean, what's your pick? <laughs> Gleaners and I. Gleaners and I. This is an Agnes Varda movie. It was kind of part of her uh, career revitalization in the 2000s when she got into digital filmmaking and documentary. Uh, again, sort of. Uh, gleaning, you might be wondering. If she's if this movie's the Gleaners and I, what is gleaning? Gleaning is the process of uh, picking up the leftovers after a, a, f- a field has been commercially harvested or, uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's not been deemed economically viable to harvest. So these are uh, people um, picking up the scraps that farmers leave behind. Um it's a historical practice that became uh, a legally enforceable entitlement in Christian kingdoms in, in the old times. Uh, and I guess it's still going on at least as, as recently as 2000 uh, when this documentary came out. Uh, you know I've been working through this Agnes Varda box set I bought. It's really funny because I still haven't seen um, you know Vagabond and La Bonaire because Colin reviewed those already. <laughs> um, Sorry. So, um, Good movies, especially I'm just, I'm just going through. Uh, I think I just looked Agnes Varda up on Letterboxd, sorted by popularity, and then picked the highest <laughs> one. Um, it sounds like a really interesting movie. It's always a little tricky to write about um, documentaries, but I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of self insert in this. There's probably going to be a lot of uh, formal playfulness uh, to to reflect on as well as uh this uh, this interesting community that i don't know anything about um so the gleaners and i and i uh are gonna have a good time this summer and you (laughs) and sean and me Uh, there's a sequel too so i can watch that next sequel oh it's short too fuck that's perfect I'm always mad when like because there's been years where I'm like maybe I should do all under 90 minutes and then so every That'd time one so comes brave. up I'm like fuck I could have done that for that one at this point I'll just be like shorts uh, but no I'm not going to do that that sounds like a good pick <laughs> um, I need to use the bathroom so while I'm in the bathroom I want you guys to discuss if you had to pick a Fast and Furious movie to put in the Criterion movie uh, Criterion collection which one would it be I'll be right back Mm, that's really interesting because I think the question is are you going for historical preservation or are you just trying to elevate the best Fast and Furious movie like what's the statement you're making by putting it in a collection that absolutely does not belong in (laughs) yeah Um, I mean I think you would do either of those I guess you would probably want to I don't know, find some sweet spot in between historical importance and the best Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. Uh, um, eh, it's hard. Well, I have an answer wanna... for those. Yeah, what? what? So, so, so let me give you those and you can tell me what you think. Sure. I think 
if you're going for what needs to be preserved, it's literally the first, the Fast and the Furious. Because I think we've evolved so much from what that movie was, you might forget the humble origins of this franchise. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I I feel like Criterion does not like movies that have a lot of bloat in them, which, like, (laughs) pretty much all of the Fast and Furious movies have, so I feel like, for that reason, I could see that one, or maybe, like, Tokyo Drift would make sense, (laughs) because they're just, like, kind of self-contained movies. Mm Um, I mean, maybe Fast Five, too, just because it, like, it, you know, it ties into all the other movies, but it's fairly streamlined um even though i do love fast seven i think i think there is a good argument for seven though because if we're talking about like criterion collection is like the arc that's going to preserve the history of film Mm -hmm. then fast and furious seven which i believe is just called furious seven um is the epitome of this franchise and this style of filmmaking because it has things like cars jumping between buildings and a dead person being brought to life with CGI so they can finish the movie and make money off of it. Which I think maybe is either the beginning of a horrific trend that will become the future of Hollywood, which maybe, uh, or hopefully a, a bizarre aberration um, that is, will maybe be worth reflecting on uh, in way, way, way in the future when uh, Universal doesn't exist anymore and for some reason the Criterion Collection still does. It can put movies out. <laughs> Could happen. Which one did you uh, guys pick? Yeah, it all makes sense to me, I guess. But yeah, what do you what do you choose at the end of the day, Sean? Uh... Yes, yeah, go if you're a seven. That's the funniest one. <laughs> what's the yeah. co- what's the cover? Uh, I, mean, I feel like it's got to be the car going through the two buildings. And yeah. Oh, but it's like really <laughs> like a beautiful artsy. painting of it. A beautiful yeah. painting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Good. maybe they could do when it's all said and done a box set. Because my <laughs> will it ever be done? All right, now you're getting greedy. Okay, because my film is from a box set. Okay, what okay, is and I don't need to worry about champagne now because it's my turn. But <laughs> I don't think he would have because I'm I know he's seen this movie and I'm sure many years ago he's got other shit to do. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into the Bruce Lee Criterion box set, Bruce Lee his greatest hits, and I'm gonna I'm gonna finally watch Enter the Dragon. Um. <laughs> I've never seen any of the Bruce Lee ones. I know it's not necessarily his best, but it's his most famous. So I figure I'll just start with with this one. Um, yeah, I don't. I've seen this is the one with the guy with the claw hand, right? Yeah, dude. I've seen part of that scene. I'm like, this is cool. I know John Saxon's in it. Um, Chuck Norris isn't in this one, is he? Somewhere he's in one of these. I can't remember which one he's in. He's in one of them. Just I says some guy. In- John Saxon's a um, part. He's got second. I I think Enter the Dragon is the one um, that Jackie Chan is in. But yes, like I saw henchman. that. He's uncredited as minor henchman. <laughs> I didn't realize this had an American director too. This is like a co-production. I guess that's why there's so many Americans in it. This is a co-production between the United States and Hong Kong. 
Well, I guess Bruce Lee was born in San Francisco, you know, so it's had his ties to the states. Um, what what language is this even? Is this in both? Probably like a mix. Do you remember, Sean? I, mean, I think the, pro- when's it, the last time you watched Into the Dragon? Like it's spaghetti western. You should watch it badly dubbed in English, regardless of what. The <laughs> it's actual so funny you mention that because I have been watching a lot of spaghetti westerns this year, and I like I like found one that was like subtitled and i was like no i want to watch it dubbed this is not what like i these are i like these they're dubbed that's like part of the charm of this genre so i mean to each his own but like and i granted i don't really know that much about martial arts that's some it's a genre i've really like dipped my toes into so i don't know if like dubbed is the way to go for for some of these but i i feel like there is a charm to watching (laughs) dubbed action movies from the past i don't know but I don't know. This is yeah. this is a great one to watch because okay. it's it'll like you've seen some anime. So you'll get like the the vibe because this one's about like um going to a martial arts. You like the Mortal Kombat movie, right? I like, love I actually think like it's that. underrated. Yeah, this is kind of like that where they go. They send him to a martial arts tournament. Oh, um, I but love it. but he's like really there to like stop the drug traffickers that are sponsoring the martial arts tournament. Oh, OK, cool. You know, it's disappointing that, like, I've seen, like, there's a Jean, I can't remember even which Jean-Claude Van Damme movie it is. It's not Kickboxer, but he, he did a movie where he's in a fighting tournament. Oh, it's Bloodsport. Um, I watched that recently, too, um, as in, like, last year. But, like, um, that's also, like, a guy enters a tournament, and there might be something else going on. But, like, the fact that I've seen that before Enter the Dragon <laughs> is pathetic. So I, I, need, I need to watch this fucking movie. I need to watch these other ones. <laughs> Um, I don't remember which one is supposed to be the best Bruce Lee one. Is there like a consensus on that? Is it is a big boss? I don't know. I feel I feel like Enter the Dragon is pretty great, and it's got the it's got the extra tragedy of I think it's the one that like his first posthumous release. So be like, oh man, this could have this could have led to so many great things. The one after this, um, the one where he wears the Kill Bill track suit. The motorcycle suit. He didn't even like live to finish filming that one, right? I can't remember. There's because yeah, I, I believe that's. There's a certain point the, where they started making like Lee exploitation movies, where like they right. make Bruce Lee movies that like he wasn't even in. <laughs> but he's at least in like I guess most of that one, Game of Death or whatever. I don't. Yeah, I'm not looking at all the Game titles, of death. so I just pulled that out of the ether. Almost. That's Abdul the one with Dream Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that scene, which is cool. Um. That's weird, man. That's weird that that happened. But I'm excited to see this one. Um, even though his life was cut tragically short, it's a, it's, it's a film of tragedy in, in, in a way. Uh, one of our great action stars. I mean, I think I've, except I've I said he's a you jerk. If you remember, once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> you think you told us what? Um, there's that movie Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, the biopic. Of <laughs> yeah, Lee. yeah, yeah. Um, and I found out this year that the the theme to that movie is like one of the quintessential '90s trailer oh, songs. I think you brought this up once. Yeah, this is you really gotta, weird. You gotta go look up the Dragon, the Bruce Lee story theme because, like, hearing it, you're just gonna automatically start in your head being like. And in the role of a lifetime. Yeah. No, you, you pointed this out before. Yeah, it's been used in like a hundred trailers. It's it's 
so weird that like that's the legacy of this movie. Not not the story, not the cast, not any of the creators involved in it. But that that fucking song, man. That's so funny, Dragon. God, they made a video game of that of a movie, a biopic. <laughs> Seems in poor taste. <laughs> Rob Cohen, director of The Fast and the Furious. Triple uh, X. Dragon. Triple X. Dragonheart, Daylight. Uh, fun career until he turned out to be a monster. Did he direct uh, Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon? Oh, he sure did. How many fucking <laughs> dragon movies did he direct? <laughs> Jesus. Well, three at least. Dude loves dragons. Well, is there? there's not any actual... Actually, I don't know. I could imagine him taking the liberties in the Bruce Lee story and like, yeah. we put a dragon in this too. I really like them. It's like this is a real guy's life. Uh, just like a, a quick flash one. I bet I wouldn't be surprised. If it was like a flash of a dragon. Yeah. God, what a fucking weird movie. All right, but it exists. Mm-hmm. Um. That was my pick, right? Colin, does your movie exist? It does exist. Seems like it's only become, uh, I don't know, kind of more recognized. Oh. Recently, since it is another one, ended up making the uh, latest edition of the Sight and Sound list. Oh. Um, it is Tuki Buki. It is great title. a, yeah, great title. Uh I think our second Senegalese movie. Wow. Uh, somehow. Uh, I really don't know much about it. Came out in 1973. Um, don't really know the director that well. It, it seemed, I think I read that he only directed like two feature films. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I'll probably butcher it. But, you know. Yeah, it's just fine. <laughs> uh, but it's short. Sounds cool. Um, What's it about? Don't really know. Got a motorcycle oh. with a cow skull on the front. That's I guess. fucking cool. He's driving around <laughs> Senegal. Otherwise, don't know. Don't really know. Um, uh, sounds like it's just kind of maybe like IMDb a, has a shorter little synopsis. Maury, a cowherd, and Anta, a university student, try to make money in order to go to Paris and leave their boring past behind. Yeah, dude. Fuck Sounds boring. Like a, kind of on the on the run, on the road. Yeah. Type of movie. Uh, cool. I've heard that name. I mean, it's a great title. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Tuki Buki. Tuki Buki, man. I love it. Um. John, what's yeah. your pick? Yeah, we're going to stay in the very early 1970s uh, because I did also have a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, <gasps> wow! <ready> wow! <laughs> um, but uh, as John knew, I already saw Into the Dragon, so I wasn't going to pick that. I was going to pick the movie that goes right before it. Bruce Lee's first directorial effort, The Way of the Dragon. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> he... Uh, was given the opportunity after Fist of Fury, which is the other one I reviewed, to write, produce, and direct a movie. And so he's like, here's what it is. My guy goes to 
Rome from Hong Kong to help his cousin whose restaurant is being harassed by a gang of thugs. And I'm like, stop right there. I'm in. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like a great martial arts movie. Basic concept. Uh, I feel like there's a Jackie Chan movie with a very similar concept to that. Um, sounds like a sounds like a, a good time to me. It's it does have nunchucks in it, uh, which you don't always you don't always get nunchucks, but you want to see Bruce Lee with nunchucks, so that's a good thing. Uh, apparently, uh, it will have a uh, a fight with Chuck Norris uh, in yes. the Colosseum in Rome. So, wow. Um, Looking forward to seeing that too. Um, as as much as Chuck Norris is a despicable human being, uh, unlike a lot of those '70s action guys, he was actually a good martial artist. So, um, and he was and he was his furious Chewbacca. Um, so, looking forward to, uh, to seeing him get his ass kicked by by Bruce Lee. Sean, you don't fight Chuck Norris in a Coliseum. You fight a Coliseum inside of Chuck Norris. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Can't wait to see him well said. be terrible. <laughs> I'm sure his fighting is good. Just just literally one of the worst actors, but uh, I don't think it'll <laughs> yeah, matter in this that movie. As well. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not a good actor, and they make good use of him in Game of Death. Mm-hmm. As long as you can fight, who gives shit, right? It's gonna be that's that'll be sweet. I hope hopefully he loses, right? I don't think it ends with and Bruce Lee dies. <laughs> Their restaurant is destroyed. Also, there's an actor in this cast with maybe the greatest name of all time. Are you seeing this? Oh. Unicorn Chan. Whoa, that is a great name. Apparently he's one of Bruce Lee's all time best friends. <laughs> His name is Unicorn. Also from Hong Kong, British Hong Kong. Um, hell yeah, dude! This is cool. I like having two Bruce Lee movies in the mix because then I can read your review and be like, "Hell yeah!" And I'm gonna go watch that one because I'm I'm watching them all out of order. Yeah, hell yeah! I mean, what? Who cares about the order? I guess yeah. It's not like these ones are really. They're just the movies he made. Um. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I'm excited. Uh, staying in the early 70s. Let's stay. <laughs> starting to think. That's where a lot of the posts are going to come from. Yeah, it's going to be a busy week. Um, I think this has been in the collection for a while. I always forget about it, though. Uh, Walkabout. Yeah. Which I thought was Australian. So here's the thing. So this is a movie... What? In Australia. It's, it takes place in the Outback. Yeah. It's Jenny and Gutter. It's um, in, like, the Outback. I guess... Here, let me look up, see what it's about. I assume she's, like, lost or something in the Outback. Two city-bred siblings are stranded in the Australian Outback where they learn to survive with the aid of an Aboriginal boy on his walkabout, a ritual separation from his tribe. Sounds very Australian. Um, but you know how you can, like, sort through... On the Criterion website, you can sort through by country... Yes, sir. Well, it doesn't show up when you sort by Australia. So I think the Britishness must overrule the Australianness of it because it is a Nicholas Rogue movie. A lot of it has like a British crew. Um, but I, you know, in Australia, it's got uh, David Gulpilil, who I, a famous Aboriginal actor, who I talked about when I did the last wave. But the reason I wanted to bring this up, 
how the Criterion sorts the Australian movies. I didn't realize that this uh, site, this podcast, we've covered every Australian movie in the Criterion Collection. We're doing a great <laughs> job with Australia, you guys. I'm really surprised. I mean, I feel like you especially pick a lot of well, Australian movies. Well, no, so we've all, we've all contributed to this. Because the only yeah, I mean, four Australian movies they list when you sort by Australia on the website are Picnic and Hanging Rock, The Last Wave, My Brilliant Career, and Breaker Morant. <laughs> and now I'm even That's going out of my actually. way to review Australian movies that they don't even put in here. Yeah. We just love Australia. Because it's like, it's like so. the Old West <laughs> if it never went away. <laughs> I just, it's funny. It's a, it's, I'm so interested in movies from there. I'm so interested in that environment. Yet I have zero desire to ever go there. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like to visit it through, through cinema. Yeah. Um, Great year to pick this too. It's getting that 4k re-release. I saw Yeah. I saw yeah. it cause it was like an older release, but then I thought there's like a new one. Yeah. New, like they did it this, again. This has got to be one of the earliest criterion movies we watched. Cause this is spine number 10. Wow. I wonder if they reissue those ones because like this one's so good, we need another one, or if they're just like, God, it's so embarrassing that we released this on that old <laughs> shitty version. <laughs> like when you release, yeah. like when they, I, I, I didn't even think about this. When like when Walkabout came out on like DVD or whatever, I don't know when the Criterion Collection started. Laserdisc. Like, has there ever been a Blu-ray, or was there only like a Laserdisc and a DVD? And this is maybe the first Blu-ray of it in the Criterion Collection. I think. I think in this particular case, there was a Blu-ray already, okay. and now it's coming out as a 4K Blu-ray. Gotcha. But I think sometimes it does make that generational leap from, like, DVD or maybe even, like, VHS, and then suddenly it's out on 4K now. Gosh. I wonder if there's anyone out there collecting the Laserdisc Criterion. <laughs> like, Sigh yeah. of Science of the Lambs Criterion on Laserdisc. I have Le Cirque Rouge. I feel like that's an older one. <sighs> Did that finally... Enter back in. Did they reissue that eventually? What's yeah? The what happened was I caved and bought a uh, used DVD of the Criterion Le Cirque Rouge, yeah. and then that winter they're like 4K Blu-rays Because <laughs> <laughs> I even I even waited right. I watched a few other Melville movies. That was like 2020, 2021 that I finally watched Le Cirque Rouge. Yeah. And they were just waiting for me, it turns out. They flipped the script on me. That's like when I tried to pick Ratcatcher, and then there's, like, no way to find it. And did they did they not reissue that one? I thought they did. Oh. I'll maybe. Uh, do a quick Google. Because I, I, I thought, I was like, fuck, well, maybe I should do that. Eh, but, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. A Blu-ray of Ratcatcher like, I also uh, picked is it out now. Before it was, like... <laughs> pretty much available to watch now it's you know it's just funny yeah and i almost did that again this year because they announced that um the trial is coming out right on, on blu-ray right. now the orson wells movie uh i was like fucking sweet but that comes out in september and right now that movie is impossible to see in the world <laughs> <laughs> i mean i did this last year with naked lunch where it's like i picked it and i'm like oh shit i can't watch it though <laughs> so you you think that one will get a reissue too with it being Cronenberg and all? I don't know. It's probably not one of their higher priorities, but I'm hopefully they'll get to it. Um, I feel like this is an issue. Colin has Colin. You do your homework. You don't you don't fall into these traps like Sean and I do. Um, sometimes. 
I mean, the I, I remember when I picked The Immigrants, I found out that it wasn't on streaming, so I had to just buy the Blu-ray, which I was fine with. Yeah. But sometimes that happens. Or I'll pick, like, a movie from the 20s or 30s, and it's, like, not really on streaming, but it is on YouTube, so I just watch <laughs> it that way. I've watched a few like that. Yeah. But you're, but you're usually pretty good at doing your homework. Which means you it's time to turn in your assignment. Next yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, the the one this pick I am actually I'm gonna try and read a book in preparation wow. to review this one. Wow. Um, so this is uh, this pick is Purple Noon, which is based off of the talented Mr. Ripley. It's like the oh. French version that got made in 1960. I'm just about to start reading The Tale to Mr. Ripley, but I don't... I'm definitely not going to finish it by the time I review this movie, which is fine. It sounds like this isn't that, uh, like, faithful of an adaptation. I, I'm guessing the 90s one is a little bit closer to the source material. Um, but, I mean, we, we reviewed The Tale to Mr. Ripley on the pick. I really liked it. Um, and I was surprised that there was already, like, a kind of... <laughs> Famous, well-regarded version of that uh, book that was made into a movie. Um, it stars Elaine Delon. <gasps> My guy! See, your guy? I, I feel like we've reviewed it, at least a couple of his movies. At least so in The Samurai. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, like his breakout role. Sounds like he's being real hot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Does he have a poster. gigantic mustache in it? No, no mustache. Clean shaven, <sighs> just looking like a like a beautiful boy. <laughs> a snack, man. But a healthy snack. Looking like a snack. Yeah. So uh looking forward to that. And uh Yeah. Excited to see him being both sexy and like scheming around like a suave Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he grows the mustache when he becomes Matt Damon. That's true. He might <laughs> Or no, I guess he'd be becoming uh, the other guy. Yeah. He would have been Matt Damon all along. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for... <laughs> Never mind. I bet I'd like yeah. this because when we watched Talented Mr. Ripley, um, I was thrown off by the time period. Um, I thought... Well, didn't I think... What, I thought it was in modern day. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't realize it was a period piece, which was. But this one made closer because they're the time constantly, of the book. they're constantly talking about fifties jazz. So if I watch this one, I'm not going to be confused and think it's the nineties. I, I guess. <laughs> so that'll be good. That would be good for me. I always like yeah, when I hear someone's pick, I have to be like how I feel about it, even though I'm not going to watch it. Sure. I got to make sure I'm okay with the pick, and I'm you know what? I'm giving it a thumbs up. Alright, good, good. Mainly for this healthy snack here on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> he's in white pa- white jeans or slacks, and he's got his shirt off, steering a ship. This would be a cool painting to have. Uh, in the bathroom, maybe. Putting that on the John Christmas shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> Purple Noon poster. I mean, I have not seen something to think about. All right, Sean. 
will we think about your next pick when we read your review? I would hope so. <laughs> I don't know. Confusing yeah. if we didn't. <laughs> I think you will, Colin, because I'm pretty sure you've seen Barcelona. The last oh, yeah. of the Wit Stillman trilogy that I have not watched. I leapfrogged it to watch The Last Days of Disco, and I gotta go back and finish the job. <laughs> finish the job. Nice. Um, this was between Metropolitan and Last Days of Disco. He made this movie with more of his regulars and less celebrities like Last Days of Disco had. Uh, I think it's set in the 80s. Uh, I think it's got that guy with the glasses who was in Metropolitan and I think Last Days of Disco who got taken advantage of by Giovanni Ravisi in Boiler Room. I don't remember that actor's name, but I like him. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think who that is. Uh, for me, it's like it's got uh, Chris Eggman in it, and from Malcolm that guy's in the hilarious. Middle. And uh, yeah, and he's in, he's been in like Malcolm in the Middle and like Girls and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I don't know what other movies he's done outside of uh, Wit Stillman stuff. But he's really good in Wit Stillman stuff. So um, I want I want to see the three. I want to see them all three, and then I can throw my Blu-ray box set in the garbage because I'll be done with it that actor that we were <laughs> struggling to remember from boiler room is taylor nichols taylor yep. he is nichols. he is top build for barcelona mm-hmm. whoa he's a guy he's he's pretty good in boiler room. boiler room has a lot of people like these people are pretty good but i haven't seen him in other stuff yeah. mm-hmm. but maybe i'm just looking in the wrong places <laughs> <laughs> What's the old what still means like rich or something? It's like rich people movies. What are these? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I probably should have probably right. should have watched one of these at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he seems like a fancy man. Fancy man. And, okay. a fancy uh, man. I don't understand how he made these three movies in the '90s and then he just kind of stopped like, for a while. Kind of bounced. <laughs> Gotta go to parties and shit, right? Maybe. Expensive parties. Expensive parties. Yeah. Like, we can't even get in. You need, like, you, they, you have to show your monocle at the door. And it has to be, like, a, it can't even be, like, a cheap one. It has to be a good one. Like, um, Metropolitan was, like, legit about debutante balls. Like, that's how fancy that is. Wow. Yeah, dude. I take, but it's like fun. I take it you liked it if you're doing this other one. That's always fun when you get when you like do a director and then you're like, ah, time to do some more from that director, kinda like digging in a little bit. <laughs> I always like doing that. And I feel like yeah. uh, this will not always, but this happens a lot when we do these um, these lists where like someone was like like, Well, I can't do that director like Colin does that director. Colin does like Ozu <laughs> movies. I can't do an Ozu movie. Colin does Ozu movies. It's allowed. But like, why but you know what I mean? At least that's how I feel them. sometimes when somebody's like, well, no, no, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean does the Apu movies. I can't, I can't do one of those. You know, something like that. Oh, that would have pissed me <laughs> off. I've done one. 
Without he seeing just the hopped first in one. There. Yeah. <laughs> just grabbed a Parajito from me. Man. I mean, that's probably... We've done... I, I know Sean and I have both done a... Uh, uh, what's his face? Mr. Solaris. Tarkovsky. Yeah. You, guys, you guys can't get enough of Tarkovsky. <laughs> John you likes him more than I It also seems like you don't Well, like since I was listening so. to some of our it's old confusing. episodes, Sean, you picked Solaris in the first Criterion. Like, you had no, you didn't know yeah. what you were in for back then. <laughs> I didn't know what I was up against, is a better way to put it. Now we know that, like, Tarkovsky's like, movies should be boring. <laughs> yeah. Life is boring, so should movies be. These still, like, there's a couple that I'd still see, though. Even though, like, one of the, the, I think the only other one that we haven't done that's currently in the collection is, like, a billion years long. <laughs> Andre Rublev is 180, no, 205 minutes Fuck. Oh God! But he's got a movie called Nostalgia that I'm like this is gonna show up someday, and I'm gonna watch it. It's gonna be in the collection. Um, but not I'm not doing Tarkovsky this year, though I am doing another famous foreign bastard. Okay. <laughs> not how I'd really refer to him, a director who is not boring. Okay. Uh, Ingmar Bergman. Cover this guy a lot. Um, I, though I, it's not just a Colin guy because I've done him one other time. I did Persona once, so I'm, I'm okay to do another one. I, I checked. I don't think we've any, I, we've done the Virgin Spring. Uh, I just no. checked our list, which is uh, I, I feel like it'll probably turn away most people after the first sentence is a 1960 Swedish rape and revenge film. Um, it's like, uh oh, that sounds yeah, that sounds like a bad time. That was the sound of me getting the fuck out of there. But I saw this was the inspiration for The Last House on the Left, the Wes Craven movie, which is also a rape and revenge movie. And I find that movie, I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but I find it endlessly fascinating. I watched the remake of Last House on the Left this year and kind of liked it. And it's just crazy for me to think that like someone was doing this premise in 1960. You know, it, it, sounds, it sounds tough, man. But, you know, you got... Max von Sydow in here, his fave. Eighty nine minutes. Um, have you seen this one, Colin? I have. Yeah, it is. Um, it's definitely one of his heavier movies, which is saying a lot for Ingmar Bergman. Um, but very compelling, very good film. Uh, hard not to be moved in some way after watching this movie, for sure. So. Definitely worth seeing, I would say. Did win an Oscar for foreign language film, the 1961 Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I think I always Bergman comes up so often in conversations as like a director who horror directors like. Hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to find that connection. I just because I know like Ari Aster and like Robert Eggers are like huge Bergman fans. So I'm wondering like what's the thread because Bergman himself, I mean. He did do that one horror movie that I guess it's like a horror movie, right? You did it for the Halloween Criterion. Um, The Hour of the Wolf. Yeah, sure. So it's not like it's not like something <laughs> it's he never touched. Movie. But it is in, yeah. it is interesting how like horror filmmakers are drawn to him. It makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of like existential dread in horror movies, <laughs> like fear of the of just life itself. <laughs> I mean, oh my is. god. 
You just reminded me, um, I took a screenwriting class in college, and one of the, like, homework assignments was, like, come in tomorrow with, like, a list of, um, like, things that scare you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came in with, like, being totally alone, death, oblivion, eternity. And my professor's like, this is good, Sean, but I was thinking more like clowns and spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in with the heavy shit, man. No, oh, sounds like you did a good job, Sean. I'd give yeah, you an A. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> Understood the assignment. <laughs> but will Colin give an A plus to his movie? We'll see. I don't know. I don't know that much about it. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of a recurring thing for a lot of my picks, just because. I've seen all the big art house movies, yeah. but this one um, just—it sounds appealing to me because it's kind of a genre that I like. Um, movie is called *Girlfriends*, directed by Claudia Whale. Uh, it's about a couple of girls just trying to make it in the big city in late '70s New York, which is very similar premise to uh, *The Last Days of Disco*. Um, but you know, it's actually made in the late seventies. Um, and you know, just, just always good to see any, any woman directors, um, films from that era. Cause there were not a ton. I mean, this was kind of more of a, an indie movie rather than a kind of studio film, but yeah, I just like that genre of, uh, <laughs> young people making it in the big city. Uh, <laughs> I never get sick of it, especially uh, any. Are New the York actors movie. famous? Uh, doesn't seem like it. I didn't recognize any of them. Although it does have a few supporting actors who are famous, like Eli Wallach as uh-huh. a rabbi. <laughs> Bob Balaban is in it, as well as Christopher Guest. Um, Ooh, so good. Must have been pretty young at that point, but. Um, yeah, there are some people in it, but it, it definitely seemed like it was a uh, very low-budget production. Um, but I'm definitely intrigued. Had this in my backups. You know why, Con? Look at that runtime. Uh, it's a cool 88 minutes. <laughs> I have picked some pretty short ones this Fuck year. Fuck yeah. Um, well, you, you've picked long ones in the past. you picked the longest. I know. I don't think I've picked a single one over two hours. This, you got to read a book. This time around. You got other shit to do. It's true. Yeah, I'm not going to finish um, it, though. I can tell you, Colin, you have picked one over two hours, and that is Ordet. It is 125 minutes long. Oh, no. <laughs> You're fucked, dude. I, I'm ruined. Just turn it off uh, before the last five minutes. Yeah, I'm sure they're not important. Just the last five minutes in any movie is just filler. Name me one good movie that has something good to happen in the last five minutes. Citizen Kane, you don't need to see the last five minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> He's already ruined It's fine if the guys are just like, I don't know what this guy's deal was. The end. Fuck it, let's go home. Dude, it is so wild how movies used to be like, Plot's over, you're done! Get out of here! <laughs> no. I love it, it's so good. It's just like, yes, I will go home. Thank you. No. Yeah, I, I agree. We need to bring that back. Just end it. I, I like. I know we've gone too far the other way with like now you have to sit through all the credits uh. to watch an extra scene that adds nothing. But 
I do believe, like having a moment of watching the credits and hearing the score and ha- like and being able to decompress is something. And it's so crazy that movies used to just be like, "Get on, get out of here." We gotta clean. Yeah, they got. They already did the credits at the beginning. What do you, I know, you don't need I to know, see them twice. Fuck off. God, just you talking about this reminds me of how much I hate the age that we live in. Just thinking about like, okay, the first trailer break is this is like the teaser for the next movie. The second one is just a joke, and there might be another one that's also just a joke, or it'll be like such and such will return. Dude, I saw the flash yeah. yesterday, and the credit scene is um, the flash is telling his story to Aquaman. But Aquaman is so ridiculously fucked up that he like he can't even like follow the conversation. Mm-hmm. The scene is literally Aquaman walks out of a bar and falls asleep in a puddle, and the Flash just leaves him there. It's tragic. Like Aquaman is trashed. He's wrecked. It is brutal. I don't. It's not funny at all. It's just sad. But it's play for comedy. But it's play for comedy. <laughs> okay. And you know all these actors in this movie are actually in Fast Ten as well, and they're just trying to escape. Whatever. Um. Wait, was it me? It is you? Yeah, I think it's you, Sean. Yeah. Okay, John. I'm bumping one up from my backups into the list. Yeah. Because I see another uh, opportunity to play off of what you did. Okay. Because John, mm-hmm. you did the Virgin Spring. I, yes. By Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. I'm going to do the Autumn Sonata <laughs> by Ingmar Bergman. I love it. Um, this is famous for being uh, the one movie Ingmar Bergman made with Ingrid Bergman. It had to happen. Wow. That's <laughs> perfect. Team up. That's like that movie that stars see. Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman, <laughs> yeah. which is a real movie that I have seen. Um, I think what it is is Ingrid Bergman plays like uh, a cruel uh, concert pianist, and it's about her relationship with her daughter. Does that sound right, Cole? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've seen this one. Yeah, I just assumed. <laughs> I just assumed. Yeah, I've seen most of the big Bergmans. I mean, he made a ton of movies, so I haven't seen the all big of them. Well, yeah, it's like I would like to watch scenes from a marriage or. Uh, one of the other like TV series that he edited into a movie like Fanny and Alexander, but uh, I don't know if I'm ever gonna make that kind of time. It's, it's a big uh, commitment, and especially like why do that when he made so many 90 minute movies? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so this sounds sounds good. Um, I yeah. think um maybe it's like the right time to watch it too because Tar just came out, and I really love that. That's another movie about an icy uh woman in in the fancy classical music industry i don't know if that's any connection at all uh, oh, i never thought about it but the, maybe the, the, onto something but i mean tar had some horror elements we're talking about ingmar bergman being influential on horror maybe maybe there's something there i'll i'll uh I'll take a I'll take a look for it when i when i watch it and when you read my reviews see how many times i miss Right, Ing- Ingmar and Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gonna happen. Oh, man. 
I'm excited now. I mean, I was excited before, but now I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, but are you excited about your next pick? Um, I am. Colin, is it okay that Sean and I are doing Bergman? I know he's your guy. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. I mean, I've just, I've already seen most okay, of his big good. movies. Now I'd love to hear what you guys. Have so to I know say he's your guy. So I know his him. films. He is my guy. Um, yeah, definitely two of his more heavy movies, I guess. I mean, Autumn is more just like sad. It's not like devastating, but it is good. I remember. I remember when I can't. So yeah, go for it, man. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, what's your next? Pick. What's, what's your next pick? Yes. Um, just when you thought I couldn't find more horror or horror adjacent films in the Criterion Collection, <laughs> I uncover yet another. Here with we go. the Czechoslovakian 1969 dark comedy horror film, The Cremator. Um, our <laughs> fourth Czechoslovakian movie. We can't get enough of the Czechs, guy. We better check ourselves before we enjoy these films. <laughs> the Cremator. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Set in Central Europe during World War II, a demented cremator believes cremation relieves earthly suffering and sets out to save the world. Sounds like a crazy man movie. I, Love it. Um, was submitted. I, I think it's true, though. You're not suffering anymore after you've been true. cremated. Was submitted for Best Foreign Language Film uh, at the Oscars, but was not accepted. I like that it has to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, the film consists mostly of monologues from, I think this is the character's name, Cop. Frickingle. That's that's K O P F R K I N G L. God check is such a difficult language. You said P F R K. Yes, in the no of that? vowels in P-F-R-K. that fucking mess of a name. That's the character's name. Only, only two vowels, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All you need. Yeah, film consists mostly of monologues from Cop Fringle that follow his descent into madness. It sounds like a crazy film influenced by German <laughs> expressionism. Often uh, cited as an example of Czechoslovak New Wave. Did not know that was a thing. Um, I'm hoping this will help me like learn a little bit about the region, too. Because it says the film was withdrawn from circulation in 73 and not seen again until 1990 after the collapse of the communist system in Czechoslovakia in 1989. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a late 60s movie, but it is black and white. It looks weird and it's creepy and scary, but uh, 100 minutes, so that's reasonable. Let's see this director. I know this director. Draj Herz. Again, this is... Um, yeah, I don't know this guy. This is going to be littered with typos. <laughs> There's so many Z's and K's in Czechoslovakia. Um, but yeah, it sounds crazy. Sounds weird. Um, I'm always down uh, to clown. I'm excited. It's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Weird. It's, it's, just, it's just funny when you're like looking through the list and you find something you've never heard of. I mean, this movie was like essentially not seen for like a span of 20 years at some point. So that's, that's part of it. Yeah. But fucking iron curtain man you know, that's that the shit. great thing about the criterion collection is how they uncover these things that get you know tucked away or lost or whatever so hell yeah that's why we do it man bring it back bring it back um how <laughs> oh, we need to bring back your pick people need to know more about this film that you're going to talk about <laughs> not enough recognition uh, 
That seems possible. I'm Michael intrigued Mason, by Michael Mason, The Rock. Michael Mason. The Rock. Robocop. Robocop. I think we know everything we need to know. <laughs> what, what more is there? Um, so my next pick is also from the year 1969. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know it. Uh, the movie is The Learning Tree. It is directed by Gordon Parks, who would go on to direct Shaft. <laughs> oh hell yeah! <laughs> Which is also in the Criterion Collection now. Oh, that's uh, right. This this was his debut film. Sounds like it is a coming of age movie. Um, says it was the first Hollywood studio film to be directed by a black director. Wow. Um, and I mean, also just reading about it, I'm like, God, Gordon Parks seems so cool <laughs> like because um, it says he was a renowned photographer turned filmmaker but also this movie is based on a semi-autobiographical novel that he wrote and then another thing i remember being really impressed by was uh for the sequel to shaft uh shaft's big score Isaac Hayes did not return to write the score for that movie. So Gordon Parks just did it himself. He just (laughs) did his code score for that movie. So multi-talented guy. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what he can do beyond Shaft. Um, So, yeah, I was definitely intrigued by this one. I'm looking up Gordon Parks. I found out he directed a movie with possibly the greatest title in history called The Super Cops. <laughs> 70s action movies starring Rom, yeah. Ron Liebman. Yes, that's Ron Liebman, the dad, uh, Rachel's dad from Friends, <laughs> and David oh, Selby from Dark okay. Shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how he like became like an action guy. Learning Tree yeah. is, is not action, right? Doesn't look doesn't, like doesn't it. Doesn't seem like it. No, looks, it looks like very a pretty age movie. What a career, man. What a guy. Yep. Um gosh. I'm trying to think of like how many movies you picked where I didn't know they existed until you picked them. <laughs> seems like a few. Uh, definitely uh, like a it's like it seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm always I mean, excited. It just like I gotta dig deeper, man. I don't know that I knew that this one existed okay. until like a less than a year ago so (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty cool how many um recent criterion movies we have uh and and i mean by like recent into the criterion collection yeah um because i know that that godzilla box set i have was number 1000 and a lot of the ones we picked have been after number 1000 so they're all criterion releases in the last few years i think we've just gotten through a lot of the earlier ones in, in past years It's good shit, though. Yeah, I mean, they keep putting out really intriguing movies. Uh, gotta love it. Um, for my seventh pick, I'm finally gonna p- finish picking from box sets that I already own. Nice. <laughs> this is the last box set pick uh, I had this year. Um, and it's a box set that I bought last year. Uh, the World of Wong Kar Wai. Um, because I like 
every single person on the planet loved Chunking Express. Uh, I had already seen and loved um, In the Mood for Love. Um, so I was like, I'm, I'm all in on this guy. Um, and so I'm going to pick the movie Fallen Angels, which is the movie that he put out after um, Chunking Express and was uh, originally conceived of as one of the um, vignettes in Chunking Express before it became a uh, spinoff into its own full feature-length movie. Um, Sally does not have Tony Lung, but uh, I'm already watching a different Tony Lung movie this year, so that's okay. Uh, it does have Takeshi Kaneshiro in it, who was in Chunking Express. Um, and uh, it sounds like it's just about, uh, you know, list, look, human finding human connection in... Uh, you know, neon Hong Kong <laughs> in the '90s, which 100% sounds awesome. Uh, I think I think the guy's like a hitman or something because he's holding a gun on the poster, so that'll be pretty fucking sweet. Uh, and he's smoking a cigarette on the Criterion poster, so you know he's cool. Um, so yeah, uh, I I think I'm all in on Wong Kar Wai. I bought that box set uh, now to uh, to put it to the test, I guess, by watching. Uh, the first of his movies that people like but are not like in the conversation for greatest movie ever made. <laughs> I feel like that takes the pressure off of it. Like, I, do you guys ever feel like you write when you when you pick like a really acclaimed movie, you're almost like intimidated writing about it. I always yeah, John. Ooh, I reviewed yeah. Citizen Kane last year. <laughs> like, yeah, I did when I did Persona. I was like, fuck, why did I do this? I don't know what the fuck to, what to say about this. I would like to know, Colin, how you feel having picked John Delmon before it became Sight and Sounds number one. Do you feel like you would have been more intimidated by it watching it now? Yeah, probably. I don't think I, I quite knew <laughs> that it had that kind of reputation, which I guess, I mean, it kind of has evolved, obviously, over the decades. Um I mostly just knew it as just being a really long movie where nothing happens, <laughs> which it, it was. Um, but I did enjoy it a lot. Um, so yeah, no, it was good that I watched it then, <laughs> not not quite knowing its its rep. Sean, this movie doesn't have any actual angels in it, does it? This isn't a Michael situation. Um, I don't think no. so. Uh... There was a movie I considered watching this year with an actual angel. Oh, but Wings I, of Desire, I, I assume. A, yeah. Oh, shit. I've, I've considered it before, too. Uh-oh. Next year's going to get... <laughs> Next year it's in the running. Uh-oh. I think, I think that one got a 4K re-release or something, yeah. too. So it like, put, me back, put it back on my radar. Plus, I want to oh. watch the remake of that, that Nicolas Cage movie, The mm -hmm. City of Angels, which I guess the song <laughs> Iris is written for, or at least is like... A, yeah. Dude, we gotta fucking watch City of Angels for the the pick. It seems like a pick for sure. Nicholas Cage, Meg Ryan, Andre Brower as an angel, Dennis Franz. <laughs> wow, that's a cast. that sounds so wow. that sounds so funny. Talk about stepping into the nineties. Oh my gosh, yeah, ninety eight, <laughs> man. Um, okay. Uh, what what year are we stepping into with your next pick, John? We are stepping into. 1985. <laughs> oh. Nice. A movie that I originally had at the top because I was like, I hope nobody picks this. But then I looked and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who hasn't seen this. So I'm good. 
I feel like Colin watched this actually semi-recently for some reason. I'm going to go with Ran. Hmm. Nice. Ah. Nice, nice, nice. My, The longest movie I'm pretty sure that I'm picking this year at 162. Uh, Sean, I saw that you had like logged it but with not a score. Is this because you saw it too long ago? <laughs> I saw it so it's like, long you see it in ago. school or something? <laughs> no, I saw it on my okay. own. I had a Kurosawa moment in high school. I think when I bought Seven Samurai in one of those... It was it was the Criterion disc, yeah. But it was in like one of those generic like blockbuster like absolutely <laughs> shitty cases. Like it didn't even have the sleeve. It had like a label maker printed like Seven Samurai on it. Um, but that inspired me to just watch a shitload of Kurosawa movies at the time, um, including uh, Rant because, uh, well, I won't say anything because you haven't seen it yet. Um. Yeah, it's just funny because I was looking through, you know, you have that, that Criterion Month log. that has been very helpful where we can look at the database of all the movies we've already picked. And I was like, how come I'm the only person who ever picks Kurosawa movies? And then I was thinking, it's like, well, I guess it's because everybody pretty much already saw all the best ones even before we started doing Criterion Month. He's such an essential filmmaker. And his films are so entertaining that, like, we didn't even, like, treat him as homework. We're watching, like, you know, Seven Samurai and all these... All these are classics before we even started doing these. Um, yeah. But I've done them a few times and I always enjoy it. So, I, like I said, I'm filling in the blanks, just like Blank Man would want me to do. <laughs> um, yeah. Very intrigued to see Latter Day Kurosawa. I don't really know anything past kind of his late 60s work. Um, yeah. Is this I I didn't do any homework. This, is this based on some Shakespeare shit too? Yeah, it's like kind of based off a of King Lear. It's got a crazy old man in it with some really really fantastic looking makeup. This guy really looks distinct so crazy makeup. looking. It's yeah, great. It is <laughs> insane. Um yeah, I recently saw it. They had it showing at the uh Philadelphia Film Center. So I got to see it on the big screen which was fantastic such an epic movie um kind of a weird structure to it because i feel like the first half of it is just like you know ancient imperial dudes not ancient but you know (laughs) people in imperial japan just like sitting around being like very serious and like kind of mad at each other it's very like shakespearean but then it just turns into like all out like war epic, just like lots of mayhem and chaos and just like everything's very colorful and just like kind of overwhelming. Uh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a movie. It, it weirdly doesn't really feel like an 80s movie to me. It feels more like a like a 50s or 60s, almost like Technicolor epic, but set in Japan somehow yeah but uh really distinct uh unique movie yeah. always kind of felt like his last hurrah though i know people like dreams i think it did just get like a either a reissue or just entered the criterion dreams did yeah so yeah. clearly i've I mean, seen that one clearly that as a follow-up Pro- yeah i mean probably his last movie at least of this scope of, of doing right. a <laughs> seven samurai type movie um, but I love Kurosawa. This is my fourth Kurosawa. I guess he's one of my guys. Even <laughs> the, the, despite the fact that I think you guys probably have seen more Kurosawa than I have. But hey, 
I've done four. Awesome. I've had to write posts. <laughs> yeah, you had to actually do the work. Did anyone see that uh, Ikiru remake last year with Bill Nye? Oh, no. Living? I got close. I feel like it got decent reviews. Yeah, people like it. I think it's streaming somewhere right now in a pretty watchable place. <laughs> I think it's on, yeah, it's on Netflix. Wow. Um, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing to remake. I guess it's a book, so makes sense. Um, hey man, if it was in the co- if it was in the collection, I'd consider it. But man, I'm only thinking about <laughs> the collection. Colin, what are you pulling out of the closet? Um, so I am going for one of Sean's guys. Uh oh, <laughs> you're just coming for one of your guys. Well, oh but I feel like Sean's kind of like he's he. He did what he needed to do with this guy. Oh, used him up. <laughs> used him up. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch Satyajit Ray's The Music Room. Because uh, Sean did the Apu trilogy. He got through all of it. He's done with it. And now, <laughs> now I want to see what Satyajit Ray's is all about. I haven't seen any of his movies. Very renowned Indian director. Um, I think this movie was made... Kind of around the same time as the Apu trilogy. Uh, don't know much about it. It's about like some aristocrat that likes to have people come to his estate and listen to music or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it's about music. Uh, it's on the shorter side. It's under 100 minutes. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, but yeah, just kind of want to see what, what uh, Mr. Ray is all about. Yeah, have fun uh, deducing the complexity of the Indian film industry. You have to talk about the background of this in your review. All right. Uh, I'm assuming it's Bengali, uh, which I think is still. It probably predates Bollywood, though. I don't even know, man. There's so many like sub industries. I ran to that when I was telling people about RRR, and I was like, "This is Tollywood," but there's actually two Tollywood. I still do Uh, not understand any of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll do my homework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like an idiot. Um. But yeah, the those Apu movies were terrific, and they got better sure. and better as they went on. So, mm-hmm. uh, if he's doing this in between them, yeah, dude, that might be something really special. Cool. Just add to the list of movies I've never heard of. So. That's why. That's why it's good uh, that we do this, so I can hear about these, and then I get to read about them later. These movies that expands my horizons, even by not watching them, just by reading about them. So thank yeah. you, Colin, for your service. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really entirely sure what to pick if I wanted to do a Sagittarius movie. Seems like this one's pretty well regarded. I have no idea, but I assume you're right. Yeah. We'll see. Speaking of filmmakers that other people know more about than me, and also the last movie on this list of the Strath that I own, uh, for Christmas this most recent year that has passed in 2022... Uh, my good friend John gave me a copy of Memories of Murder. 
Ah, boy. Bong Joon-ho movie. And personally, I have only seen The Host, Snowpiercer, and Parasite uh, of Bong Joon-ho. So I know I have some massive gaps to fill, including this one, which clearly John was telling me this is where I need to start. Yes. Uh, but I know I know Mother uh, and, uh, and Okia are two other huge uh, Bong Joon-ho movies I should put down at some point. Uh, and I think they're all, those are also in the Criterion Collection. So maybe I can get to those uh, later. Or maybe I'll be so inspired by Memories of a Murder. Or no, Memories of Murder. No, not A. I, I, I fuck that up here. all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> um, maybe it'll uh, inspire me to just watch all of them now. Uh, it sounds dork. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say it like that, yeah. <laughs> It's a a movie about uh, detectives investigating a string of uh, rapes and murders, Um, but but God, I mean, Parasite was so good, and I loved The Host when that came out, too, so, uh, and it's got John's endorsement, so. I think it's my third favorite of his movies. Wow. Are those other two your top two? Yeah, they are. Par- Parasite is is uh, I, Parasite is should, like Parasite should be one, but a host is like since it's my first bong, it's the, such there's a great emotional Hell attachment. Yeah, <laughs> your first hit. <laughs> don't 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 don't. Whoa, dude. <laughs> Uh, this guy's been famous for twenty years, and it never gets old. <laughs> I really don't know. It's 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 a toss up between those two, but this is definitely number three. About the first, or at least inspired by like the case of the first like serial killer in South Korea. And what's so good about this movie is you, you have so many cop movies where like the cop is like clever and starts piecing together the mystery. You know, he's this sharp witted mm-hmm. guy. This is such a great movie about like how cops like are like stupid and like don't know what they're doing and just like guessing and like <laughs> this movie's so great and that there's these guys who are just like so shitty at their job, but they have to like come up with like well we have to somebody must have done it, so we gotta come up with somebody. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 like dark and atmospheric, but it's also pretty funny in the way that a lot of Bong's movies are. But yeah, he's like breakout. Really Sounds started good. him on his path, uh, an essential. So I'm I'm glad. Um, and I'm also glad that two picks were gifts from me on this this year. <laughs> Feeling pretty good about myself right now. You know what we like. <laughs> but now I feel like, well, maybe John's putting his finger on the scale a little bit. Maybe he's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, di- I'm like doing. I'm doing game. this to take away. So like I have. I don't have to worry about you guys picking stuff that I want to pick. He's so Machiavellian. <laughs> maybe. No, I mean, it's good that they did this release, too. Or, this, I mean, just release. Because I feel like what last time I watched Memories of Murder was before that Criterion. And I, I feel like I watched it some weird, shitty place. Like, there wasn't a great edition of it available. So, mm-hmm. now that Criterion one is like, oh, there's like a definitive, like, good copy of this movie out there. Like, Colin, you'd seen oh. it, right? Did you, Is this like a Redbox, or not Redbox, a Netflix, like, disc? <laughs> I feel like Possibly? how else would you have seen it? <laughs> I don't even remember I don't how, know, I, how I how I saw it last time. I don't know. Yeah, it was either Netflix disc or I streamed it on some shitty yeah. like janky site. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
late 2000s. <laughs> so there really wasn't like great ways to watch it until it joined the collection. Yeah. Um, so um, can I also say I am starting to panic a little bit because going into this, I joked with you guys that I was just going to pick movies from the 2020s so I could do the last 10 posts. Yes. Um, apparently, I was... Uh, I was taking it too far because right now I'm the only person who's picked any movies after 1990. <laughs> so I am really <laughs> well, locking Sean, in the end of this. Don't worry. My next pick is from 1997. Oh, thank oh, God. Okay. From The Land of the Rising Sun. A movie that Bong Joon-ho once said is one of the greatest movies of all time. Wow. That is Cure from 1997. Mm-hmm. This is a a recent edition, I believe, maybe of the last year mm-hmm. into the Criterion Collection. This is a psychological thriller from Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who I have actually seen one of his films before. He did a, a, a kind of a ghost movie called Pulse that I've seen, which is pretty good. Uh, that's more of a J-horror. This is more of just a straight-up thriller. Let me pull up the premise. The poster is guys' heads with a, near a bunch of like torture tools. So <laughs> Sounds like John Pick. Um, A frustrated detective deals with the case of several gruesome murders committed by people who have no recollection of what they've done. Oh. So, yeah, sounds dark, sounds brooding. Um, Let me pull up that criterion and see if it's the same as the poster. I haven't been looking up the the, the posters for any of these as I've been picking them. Uh, This is actually a pretty boring criterion cover. I thought this had a better cover. It doesn't matter. It's not just about the covers, right? It's like a guy and there's like a lighter up to his face. It sucks. <laughs> um, important thing is I could finally watch it because it's in the collection. And uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, again, don't know much about it. A little under two hours. Uh, I think this is supposed to be Kiyoshi Kurosawa's best movie the sand pulse or like his, his big one says on wikipedia his big influences are kubrick tarkovsky hitchcock and ozu so that sounds about right those are guys that's like how many how many names is that, is that such like our mount rushmore <laughs> right <laughs> who's the mount rushmore of criterion month <laughs> it's hard to pick it's hard to hold it to four heads I feel like Definitely I like Ingmar seven. Bergman, Bergman, probably Kurosawa. How many Ozu's have you done? Uh, three. We might be able to put Ozu up there. Yeah, maybe Tarkovsky. I feel like Tarkovsky. Is I like, like peeking around. <laughs> it's, I, it's it's fun to have a figure that's like complicated on your mouth. Yeah, platform. there you go. Yeah. That, that's a good four. That's having... a good four. Bergman, Kurosawa, Tarkovsky. And what was the, was the last one I already forgot? Well, you heard them. They're they're on the record. I already, you, yeah, <laughs> well, those are our guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't ignore the fact that we forgot one of them. Yeah, I don't think we actually said it for. Did we? No, we did. We did. Okay. We did. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, if we okay. Did. So we're starting over. Okay. It was Bergman. Kurosawa. It was Ozu. Kurosawa. Uh, Tarkovsky. And Tarkovsky. Okay. We no, we, we, had, did. we had. We did. Okay. We just forgot. Yeah. All right. Sure. Works. Okay. Good. Sorry, 
all those losers that aren't on here. Who's another <laughs> filmmaker we've done a lot? It's not like Michael Hanukkah. Fuck off. Because <laughs> I keep watching your uh, weird pervert shit. <laughs> I've done a lot of uh, Melville, but I don't think anyone else cares. Right? Yeah, or maybe I've only talked. To, maybe I've only thought about. I, I, I only I know I've watched anymore. Le Circular Rouge. Yeah. I haven't done any. Maybe I haven't watched any (laughs) other ones. (laughs) Maybe they're all on my queue still. I definitely have a long queue of John Pierre Melville. No, now that I think about it, I think we got to put Agnes Varda in there. Oh. Um, Because I've done two of hers, and you've now done two of hers. So I think she she bumps off Ozu on on Matt Rushmore. He's, he, no, I, okay. The good news is I've done two. Guys, I also reviewed Less Samurai, which we already talked about on this podcast, but I still forgot existed. Sure. When it comes to Jean Pierre Melville. There's also like a weird growth on the back. That's David Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, As our most covered director on our site in general. Just in general. So, yeah. Love him. There you go. Well, Colin, is this next pick of yours directed by any of those folks? It's not, but um, he is a contemporary of two of them. I feel like, uh, you know, Ozu and Kurosawa, the two big names in Japanese cinema in the 1950s. Uh, But the other kind of more unsung one who gets kind of overlooked, but um, as far as... I have seen has directed some some good movies. Uh, is Kenji Mizoguchi? Uh, I am picking one of his movies <laughs> uh, called The Life of Oharu, which, to be honest, I maybe have seen but can't remember because of the uh, predicament I stated earlier. Where when I was in my early twenties, I watched a lot of old movies that I didn't talk to anyone about and <laughs> never heard about after watching them. So maybe I've seen this movie, but um, I don't oh, remember yeah. it. I do remember seeing uh, Ugetsu, another Mizuguchi movie, in uh, in film school. Uh, th- those are always kind of formative experiences just because I hadn't really heard of this guy. Um, he directs a lot of like kind of period PC Japanese movies. Um, definitely um, sort of like somber, dramatic films, uh, sort of existential. Um, this one is about kind of a, a woman's place in Japanese society um, in feudal Japan, I guess. So she becomes, she's an imperial lady in waiting who gradually descends to street prostitution. Um, Probably a sad movie, but <laughs> um, I, I I also saw one other Mizuguchi movie. What was it called? Sancho the Bailiff. Both very good movies. Um, so excited to see this one, which I think was kind of his breakout um, as far as getting like international attention. Um, I think it is cool that he, much like Ozu, was a guy who had been, like, directing movies since the silent era, but, like, really started to come into his own, um, you know, during, like, post-war, the 1950s era of of Japanese cinema. Um, So, 
a guy who mastered his craft <laughs> by by the time that like people outside of Japan were taking notice of his films. Sounds good. Why dude. is the Wikipedia photo like just a still from the movie and not the poster? It looks like it's an episode of a TV show. <laughs> Guess they couldn't find a poster for it. I don't know. Also, I'm I'm I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I'm such a fan of this trend of you not remembering if you've seen it. It's like the classic like if a tree falls in the woods. If Colin sees a movie and doesn't talk about it, did he really see it? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't like it. And it's like this isn't like a it's not like a super long movie, but it isn't a short movie either. So, I yeah. Would, all right, but yeah. Just tell yourself you didn't. I mean, what makes you feel Are better? You sure? The fact that you're seeing it again and f- forgot it or the t- for first time view? You make up the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll remember that I saw it. You're watching like, like oh, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this. Yep. Get out. Oh, here's the scene where they throw the pie. I remember this movie. <laughs> I, I love that, that scene in this tragic story about a woman's descent into prostitution. <laughs> uh, the Criterion uh, cover, though, very classy. Yeah, very nice. Speaking of, I alluded to earlier, I picked one movie uh, that I do not own that I will be streaming oh. this year, which is on the Criterion oh. channel, because its poster made me laugh. Um, <laughs> Great reason to pick. I I will also say um, one of my most anticipated movies of the year is the new Mission Impossible. That comes out in July. I think I might be in the mood for spy movies. Um that's part of why I want to watch Infernal Affairs. That's also why I want to watch Hopscotch, a 1980 Walter Matthau movie um, that's got a great cartoony Criterion uh, mm-hmm. poster. It's also got a really funny theatrical release poster, if you look it up on like Wikipedia or whatever, with a picture of Walter Matthau in a robe, and then in giant letters above it says, The Most Dangerous Man in the World. <laughs> <laughs> right, navigating, um, navigating. I saw the Criterion. It it's, was amazing. Uh, Oh, wow, this looks very silly. <laughs> it's got uh, Ned Beatty in it as nice. well. Uh, co-stars uh, Glenda Jackson, which uh, uh, Criterion says is an inimitable comic team, Walter Matthau and Glenda Jackson. Uh, they also describe it as a nimble tale of international intrigue from master British filmmaker Ronald Neem, uh, who you might remember is the director of the original Poseidon Adventure. Uh, also, Meteor, which is a movie I low key want to like watch someday. Oh yeah, it's a disaster movie about a meteor. <laughs> That's weird. That All right, he got into because he has a couple other earlier movies in the Criterion Collection, but I guess then he got into directing disaster movies. But then he got back to doing the good stuff again, right? Because he got a uh, Hopscotch, okay, which made it into the collection. Mm. <laughs> Oh yeah, because he did the Odessa file too. Yeah, he did all these like he started doing like thrillers and like disaster movies. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I saw Charade a while ago. I forget if that was Criterion Month or if I just watched Charade, but that was a was. good time too. Yeah. Um, and that had Walter Matthau in it. <laughs> he wasn't the star. He's funny, but he was he's up there. He's a funny it's man. Funny. I watched Grumpy Old Men last winter. So funny. So funny. Where's that? Where's that? A couple I've seen. Uh, Bad, Bad News Bears. Love it. 
Taking Pelham 123, that movie's hilarious. That movie's actually really good. <laughs> I love that movie. I feel like there's a recurring joke on, like, Blank Check, where it's like, just like how you could make, like, an action thriller movie back then where Walter Matthau was the lead. And it's like, there's only one man who can stop this train, and it's Walter Matthau in a wet, like, raincoat with a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> What just such a great lead? See, we just don't have leading men like this anymore. Like, inter- like <laughs> interesting looking people. What happened to men who are like, you know, handsome in a not a conventional way? <laughs> Bring it back. We need more of these dangerous men in the world. <laughs> it's funny. Well, are you watching a dangerous man movie with your final? Draft I pick? wish. I wish. I hate it when like. That's the only thing that's disappointing about when we do these Criterion drafts is my last movie is always just a movie that, like, well, no one's going to pick this, so I don't have to worry about it, you know? And so it's a little, it's always a little anticlimactic, I think. Um, but here we go. My last pick is from Guatemala, which I'd hoped had been the first time. I was like, this is going to be the first Guatemala movie we've done, but now Colin did it because Colin always does it first. <laughs> no, that's fine. You call it, you call it, you do the homework. There's one thing I've learned from this is that you do the homework. Yeah, but I can't remember my life. I just make it up as I go along. <laughs> Sean just looks at posters that make him laugh. You're doing the homework. You know. Um, from Guatemala, a film from 2019. See, Sean, I got the future covered. Well, yeah. We're, we're fine. Thank God. Um, this is La Llorona. Which is, uh, I'm actually shocked this made it into the Criterion Collection because this is a movie that originally premiered on Shudder of all places. Uh, La Llorona is, of course, a famous uh, Mexican folk tale about a weeping ghost woman. I believe La Llorona means the weeping woman. It's like a woman who like thinks her like husband cheated on her, so she like killed her children and then became a ghost or something. I don't know. They made like, if you guys remember, they made a really crappy. La Rona movie the same year an American film called The Curse of La Llorona I don't know if this sounds familiar it was like tangentially related to um, the Conjuring universe somehow it was just that's what yeah. I remember it was yeah. very just generic it's set in the 70s it started Linda Cardellini because of course they're taking a Mexican folktale and making a star a white woman um, though it did have Raymond Cruz Tuco from uh Better Call Saul. He was he was in that. He's like the one good thing about it. But this is not that film. This is a Guatemalan film, La Llorona. Uh, I don't know anything about it aside from the fact that it is, I guess, a ghost movie about that famous folktale. And I assume you can still watch it on Shudder. I, you know, I guess that's cool how Criterion will do that, where they'll take like movies that were like direct to streaming. So you're like, ah, oh, shit. Well, I guess I'll never have a cool Blu-ray of this. But then they like they'll come out with one. You know, like they've done that for a lot of the Netflix releases, and I actually appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I can get The Irishman on Blu-ray if I want to. Yeah, Roma. Okay. So, yeah, so another one of the good things about uh, Criterion. But otherwise, I don't know much. I know it was submitted for uh, the Academy Awards. Did not make the cut. Well, I don't know why they have to keep bringing up these embarrassing facts about these movies. Brutal year for you and not making movies. It. Yeah, not getting not getting the nom. I mean, this would have been the fucking parasite year, so good fucking luck, dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's cool. I, you know, it's one of those ones where it's like I'm I I, w- I would never would have watched it, but just the fact that it made it into collection now I'm curious. It's like there's something about this movie then that, that is interesting, and I want to find out what it is. So I'm excited. Um, and I'm excited for Colin's final pick. Okay, so this is my most recent pick going to the 90s. Ah, uh, yeah. Sorry, Sean. Oh, man. You're <laughs> one Nin- Oh, man. From 1993. So you're like the reverse me. You're going to go very heavily at the start of the... Yep, I'll be very better, better get busy after we finish recording this. <laughs> so I got some work to do. Uh, but yeah, the, the my movie from the 90s is Naked. Oh, directed by yes. Mike Lee. That I watched half of in film school. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in a class on great directors. And like each week we'd talk about one director. And one week we did Mike Lee. And I watched a couple of his other movies. And this one, I, I don't know. I guess I just didn't have time to watch the whole thing before the class that we had on him. And I never went back to it. Maybe because this movie's like kind of dark and bleak and <laughs> I don't know maybe not doesn't have the most pleasant worldview but um it it was good I enjoyed the first half I guess even though there is something like a little icky about how sort of misanthropic its main character is um so I'd like to give it another shot um stars David Thewlis in a <gasps> career making role as this guy is just like a weirdo loner roaming the streets of London. Uh, I don't know, kind of like a Travis Bickle type, but like a little smarter, I guess, <laughs> and British. Uh, but yeah, no, I like Mike Lee. I don't know if he's one of my guys, but I, I, I've enjoyed I think you can claim him. films I've seen. Like, eh, maybe. I mean, it's my first movie of his I've done for Criterion. I don't think we'll I've see. watched any Mike Lee films mo- yet. No, I've seen Mr. Turner. I forgot about it. And I've seen Happy Go Lucky. I've seen a few. But he's, he's definitely not one yeah. of my guys. I, I, I think he's up for grabs. Okay. We'll see. I'm going to do that. I'm, later, I'm, for fun, I'm going to look at our, our log and see like if there's any other directors that like, oh, that's my guy. I've just done him so many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's probably a couple that I'm forgetting. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. Naked. Yeah, I've I've definitely seen that like criterion a handful of times and be like, I wonder what this is. <laughs> and I'm glad you'll get to finish it. You know, I keep forgetting I once watched a part of a criterion movie in school and I never saw the rest of it because we only watched part of it. Um so I'll so nobody pick it next year because I forgot to pick it this year. But I'm picking it next year. I'm gonna pick high and low next year because I watched part of it in the class. Oh, yeah. Fucking, I don't think you have to worry about that one because me and yeah, you guys Sean saw like see this is what I'm saying. You guys saw every <laughs> Kurosawa movie you needed to see before we even started doing these. Yeah, we're good. I think maybe the one that I've seen. I, have either of you guys seen Throne of Blood? Is that my one that I have? I'm not sure that I have seen Throne of Blood. I've seen it. Yeah, the, the arrow one. <laughs> That's fine. I'll find a way to get yeah, the one up lots someday. Of arrows. I mean, if you like those arrows, you're going to like Ran a whole lot. I love those arrows. I remember with Ran, I was like, how did no one get shot with an <laughs> yeah, arrow? Really? 
How is this movie made safely? <laughs> I don't know. Um, also, make sure to... Uh, I want to know if a nakedy gets naked. Okay. Yeah. That's really the one I thing I feel I'm like David Thewlis has been naked in something. Was I've he watched. naked in... What was that um, movie with all the snow? <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. Thinking of... Did he get naked in there? Oh, yeah. oh. No, no, no. He didn't get naked. Old Jesse Plemons got naked. I'm thinking of ending yes. things. Yeah. I'm thinking of when there's that old man who's old Jesse Plemons, and he starts walking through the school naked. It's funny that those are two actors who really had their career revitalized by being on Fargo in that movie. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's it's interesting. But is as is, is interesting as your pick. The final pick. The final pick. I doubt it's as interesting uh, because this movie sounds like a trip. <laughs> Meant to watch it last year. I did Uh-oh. not. So I lucked out that the Criterion's like, check it out. We're putting it in the mm-hmm. collection. Uh, my first movie of the 2020s yeah. I'll be watching as part of the Criterion Month. Brett Morgan's David Bowie sort of documentary, Ooh, Moon Age Daydream. Cool. I say sort of because the rep is that it's kind of just about art. Mm-hmm. Uh, using David Bowie as sort of the medium to get really philosophical. I have actually never seen a Brett uh, Morgan movie. Uh, I know he's famous for his montage of heck the Kurt Cobain movie and um, the kid stays in the picture about some Hollywood he looks guy. really <laughs> Robert Evans but he also looks very sweaty in his Wikipedia photo <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he just got out of a pool what's going on here <laughs> you're right he's got very wet he just hair. got out of the shower he's like shit I need to go to the Cannes <laughs> Film Festival <Shit. laughs> uh um. Yeah, maybe he's just a very sweaty guy. Maybe he uh like doesn't wear shirts normally, mm. and so he has he that vibe. He's like a McConaughey vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Makes him all sweaty. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll like what he does. Maybe I don't. Uh, but uh, I can tell you this. Uh, I've seen the man who fell to earth for. I criterion month, but Colin has seen uh, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Sergeant Mr. Lawrence. There Sergeant, you go. Sergeant which Santa. means we're no, <laughs> which means we're tied in David Bowie movies, and that mm. cannot stand. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's one of your guys. Oh yeah, definitely one of Sean's guys. <laughs> Take him back, Sean. <laughs> He's all yours. Is this the only, I guess, is there any other ways that Bowie could, like, make his way into the collection? Is there any other films you think he could sneak in with? If, if, if unless, I mean, there could, mm. we could be overlooking one, but I don't think so. Maybe, uh, like, uh, The Hunger. That seems like an interesting movie. The Tony Scott movie that he's in. Yeah. So it is a vampire movie, but hey, nothing wrong with that. I, you know, it's, it's, La- Labyrinth. A long shot. <laughs> Go ahead. But the prestige, he's in that. That could, like, maybe. Because it's, like, earlier Christopher Nolan. 
I mean, but I like it. It's like not really. It's like underrated, Christopher. Oh wait, yeah. uh, he was in Twin Peaks Firewalk. He was. He's John's barely off. in it. Fuck. Okay. He's just okay. like. So I still. Yeah, he has a Texas accent, and he like just like disappears into <laughs> fires. I, just, I don't know. It's some weird shit. It doesn't make any sense. He's barely in it. <laughs> but you're right. There's, that counts. There's a. There's another Criterion movie that I know yeah. about that I've been saving. Oh, okay. If I need it. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Uh, I'm just... I'll just say. He's he's in The Last Temptation. All right, right, well, then I will never pick it, even That's though I want to right. see it someday. I will never pick it, Sean. <laughs> okay. Be sure to bump it up my uh, my list. For you can bump year. it to the bottom of your list, though, so you don't, you don't have to worry about picking it you know, too high. Because I won't pick it. Well, there you go. Um, I did, have you guys seen Moon Age Daydream or other Brett Morgan movies? Well, Colin, you saw the I've yeah, s- seen one. Montage of Heck. I feel like I liked it at the time, but the more I think about it, I don't like it no that much. <laughs> I just don't like it when people like emphasize how depressed and dark Kurt Cobain was, because like. That wasn't the only aspect of his personality. He was like a funny, goofy guy a lot of the time. Like, he was multifaceted. And that movie's just like, uh, he was a depressed drug addict. And I'm just like, all right, I've had enough of this, (laughs) like, version of the Kurt Cobain story. But that's just me. Well, I feel like people really liked Moon Age Daydream. I feel like it was just weird timing. Yeah. I, I remember getting really great reviews. Shortlisted for the Academy Awards. Didn't make the cut. Got a bunch of losers this year. But otherwise, well-liked. I mean, if it's in the collection, that's interesting. There's only been... Have you guys ever watched a movie and then are like, why is that in the collection? It's only happened to me literally once. <laughs> once ever. And it was when I watched the 50s War of the Worlds, and I was like, why is this in the collection? I cannot figure this out. Otherwise, every other movie I've watched, I'm like, I get it. Like, I've watched some bad movies, but, like, I get why they're in here because there's something special about them, even when they're not good. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have – I feel like I'm more inclined to pick bad movies for this. (laughs) (laughs) Just can't help it. You want that trash. And I'm the the least risk taker, so – yeah. That's fair. Well, I mean, yeah, they do good work. That's why we do this. They do. Year after year. They do good work. Um, man, it's so fun. I hate ending this one because uh, I, I enjoy doing one. it. And I like I like looking yeah. at this great database you've put together, Sean, that you'll <laughs> – I don't know if you've been adding to them or if you're going to add to them later or what or I don't know, but it's – Oh, God. I've I did a charts post for the fifth – criterion yeah month, and i'm gonna go fucking wild for the 10th criterion one wow i've already got a bunch of charts going wow on the second tab of the spreadsheet you guys have access to <laughs> i'm looking at at least my um, personal slate of countries not as many countries as i'd hoped that i'm covering this year i you know what i think this might be my first year i got no france <sighs> i fucked up because they're like one of the best i did, I did one france I got no France. I got France, no Sean? Italy. I got the Gleaners, man. I got oh, a bar down That's here. right. Yeah, this might be the first time no Italy is represented. We got a lot of Japan and, like, Hong Kong yeah. this year. Stepping <laughs> up in a big way, man. Yeah. That's where I'm at. 
with my life. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, you love the Japanese. You've been to Japan. You've been there, man. I want to go again. Take me. Take me so we can go see the new Miyazaki. How else are we going to see it? I don't know. I was going to say, for some reason I almost said so we can sneak in. Like, why do we have to sneak in? (laughs) Could just buy tickets. Hey, you're American. What are you doing? You don't get to see this yet. Um, But you, wherever you are, can watch any of these movies as long as you have access to the Criterion channel or, I guess, shipping to where Criterion ships to. Because I think some of these aren't on the Criterion channel. But they're in the Criterion collection. I checked again this year. Every, every single pick has a spine number or is in a box set. Um, so we're good. There, there are no technicalities, and uh, and to prove it, we're gonna write our reviews of these during the month of July. Um, if you can find a Barnes and Noble, you might be able to find these at half price too, and that's that'll be cool. Um, so so keep it uh, keep keep your browser uh, locked into mildlyplease.com for all those written reviews. Um, keep subscribed to mildly please on your podcast thing of choice because we'll be back with a new season of the pick uh sometime towards the end of summer and uh if you made it this far through what's really fun for us but i think the most pointless podcast for any hypothetical audience (laughs) uh you have my uh gratitude and appreciation and uh i probably know you in real life so reach out and tell me about it because that'd be cool to hear Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening.